You're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. This is Betamax, one of our favorite songs on the show. Very, very happy to be back. If you guys have been uh, listening to the show, it's been kind of all out of order and disorganized as far as what's going on, what episodes are happening. My guest, totally. Move your chair closer. This chair is not the finest chair. That's fine. Move your chair closer. Um, (laughs) uh, But yes, I'm back. I have recovered from COVID. I'm still sort of uh, feeling a little shitty. Like COVID really knocks you on your fucking ass. I feel like it just like remaps your DNA in one way or another. Uh, Cause I am uh, still feeling a little shitty, but I'm back, uh, back at work, back doing things. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode that we did with the entertainment lawyer. Um, uh, it was a pretty great episode. It's, it's rare that you get an opportunity to sit down with an entertainment lawyer and ask all those questions. So uh, I was happy to make that happen. And then the weird thing is, is that after I did that show, everybody that I know was like, hey, I know him, I know him, I know him. They're like, how did you book him on the show? It was a random booking. Very weird. Very very strange how small this fucking town is consistently. Um, hold on a second here. What are you doing, Jeans? Let me let me pull this a little oh, bit Oh, sorry. Want me to come closer to you? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Here, I got you. I got you. We're joined in the studio today by Gina. My lady, Gina, Gina Manning, the amazing photographer, the amazing director, and, you know, the girl that can't sit still. I'm just trying to get comfortable. I know it's going to be a long long time. I got to stay in one spot. Is it going to be a long time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Gina's joining me in the space today. We're just hanging out. It is day two of the the crazy rain that Mm -hmm. we've had, had out here in Los Angeles. It has been flash floods and... All of that crazy news yeah. shit. That Everything getting canceled about. and yeah, all the meetings are canceled. You had multiple meetings canceled today. Yeah, past couple of days. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's because it starts to rain in LA and everybody doesn't know what to do about it. Granted, I've been here. What we've been here four years and I'm already par for the course. I don't want to go out when it's raining. Why not? I mean, I never did. I don't like being wet. So <laughs> You're like this a does cat. not please me, and I don't want to deal with an umbrella. Do I have to bring it everywhere? You don't. You just get in and out of your car. And then, if I, what if I have to go into an establishment and my umbrella's wet, and then I make the establishment wet? That's just annoying for everyone. You grew up in you grew up in Boston. <laughs> yeah, but my car is not doing well. How do you I not get my brakes fixed? You get in your car. You run from the house to the car. You might get a couple of speckles of rain on you, maybe. Huh. And then you get into the car and you drive to wherever you go, and You're then you get soaked. You get out of the car and then you go into that place. Thank you for explaining that to me. I just I felt like I needed to because now that seemed, I know how it works, I should yeah. Because it seemed that. like you didn't know how to, to survive in a rainstorm. <laughs> I just I felt like you maybe needed a re-explanation of how it worked. <coughs> is this how, is you always cough this much on your podcast? No, <coughs> I didn't bring myself a water either. Um, I also you have some of my water. I just tried. Uh, I just started putting stuff in my coffee again. One is God. What's that animal protein? That's supposed to help. Animal protein. Um, I forget. That's not the problem. The other problem is I put in a coconut extract that's supposed to be really good for like brain fuel. But they say you should start with a teaspoon and move up to a tablespoon every morning so that your stomach doesn't get upset. 
I went back in after like a year of not taking it, full tablespoon, and I don't feel so great right now. So we're just gonna see. <laughs> oh my god! What is it turning go. your stomach? I mean, hopefully I poop. That's like best case scenario, but yeah. Well, you know, poop eludes you. <laughs> poop eludes you. <laughs> yeah, it's like a punk band name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. It's been a beat since mm-hmm. we've had you on. Yeah. And we were just going to come on here and just shoot the shit just because it was raining. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I might be down to talk about a lot of stuff now well, that we started. Well, there's a bunch of stuff that you've been... I mean, everybody that follows me on Instagram and follows you on Instagram has seen that you've been doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You guys have been doing a lot of work. We worked together on some stuff. Potentially worked with some pretty big names and we did all this. And normally I'd come on the show and talk about all that stuff, but we really can't for this job. Yeah. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the content. We, we could say that we did it. We you just uh, yeah we don't we, we we won't go into details yeah uh, but besides that you've been fucking super slammed right because then you've also done what three photo shoots or four photo shoots yeah I think three and then prepping two more mm-hmm. yeah you've been very busy and the photo stuff is looking really great if anybody's interested you can go to ginamanning.com or gisella.com right mm-hmm they're both, they both were out the same place. It's gzlla.com. That'll yeah. send you to my company website first. And then through there, there's a lot of click-throughs to my personal photography website. Yeah. Yeah. And there you'll be able to see a lot of the new images and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about that we're not supposed to talk about. All that kind of stuff. Will be it's not that we're not supposed to talk about it. Don't, <laughs> don't make these people seem evil. There's no evilness involved. It's just this company really, really prioritizes privacy. So we're respecting <laughs> that we privacy respecting willingly. Very much so. You already broke the rules. <laughs> I did. You're you're almost banned. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it was fun to uh, work with you again, and it's fun yeah. to see you do all of your stuff. And it's we have been in an interesting situation with multiple gigs where we actually had some great friends come out and stay with us, and so mm-hmm. uh, like Cruda uh, was out, Doctor Cruda was out, Doctor Cruda, Anthony Jarvis, who we hadn't seen in a while, he was out. Mm-hmm. That's twice I've worked with Cruda in two months. Yeah, you've worked with him crazy. more, almost more than I have at this point. You know, maybe yeah, yeah, three times, close. four times. That's pretty close. Yeah. Thanks for dealing with me, Cruda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story he tells me of what I'm like after the set's over, and I have no recollection of these things happening, is pretty phenomenal. Or I see videos where I'm like taking a video of the whole set while you just hear him in the background be like rolling (laughs) and not even paying attention (laughs) while he's holding a heavy ass camera handheld (laughs) he's like gina get out of the shot Uh, that's like all the way back to our first to your first set that you were that's no longer the issue (laughs) remember we were just screaming there's footage of you wandering into the shot not noticing it was really hard to focus and i'm really good at it but it's more difficult for me than it is for most people (laughs) it is you're like a distracted puppy yes most of the time. Which is good sometimes when I'm thinking of ideas, but not good when I'm well, on a very a, structured set. You've done a really good job of like really yeah. like creating an environment and where you're very hyper-focused. and like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if anything, I try to make my sets, they aren't so stringent where like it helps everyone feel better because I'm not super strict. I mean, we plan the fuck out of it, mm-hmm. but then on mm-hmm. the set, I want everyone to have fun so that mm-hmm. it helps that I have ADD, I think, now in my career. Yeah, I think the ADD... <laughs> really uh you know informs your work too yeah you know so it really allows you to go off into imaginary places 
Sort of like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh Don't reference the new movie, though. I want no relation to that. with me, see the (laughs) rats. I just got an Amazon delivery. You know those fake... Going (laughs) out to open a package, then do my taxes. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for extensions. Um... When, you know when you finish a website and then on the bottom it's like it could be like the New York Times at the bottom there's those ad like um, try to trigger you links where it mm-hmm. shows pictures and says something that's like can't be true but you t- sometimes get sucked in <laughs> because one, what, if it, what if it is true yeah one was uh, you know the kid from the bear the main the lead that everyone's obsessed with like mm-hmm. Alan White mm-hmm. it claimed that he was the son of the original Willy Wonka and I was like oh my god I believe this it was like 10 people you'd <laughs> never believe were the children of these other stars and I was like oh my god that's an amazing one they got me <laughs> I probably got like viruses but I clicked it and it's not true <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like why does my search bar always go to Yahoo <laughs> <laughs> um, well uh, yeah man and, <laughs> that's a good inside joke <laughs> that's a good inside joke <laughs> I get mad about that once a week <laughs> <laughs> it's probably from that click um, so we've been uh, watching a lot of movies and stuff lately yes a lot of stuff lately mm-hmm what do we want to start with? Um, well, let's start with stuff that we agree on. Okay. Right? So... What do we agree on? Well, let's talk... I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about the Oscar stuff. Right? Oh. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 pretty much Oscar season. We forgot it was like Grammys weekend last weekend, right? It was, no, it was yesterday. It was the yesterday. Grammys were yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. I haven't been up on the Grammys in, in a little bit, though. I mean, honestly, who the fuck cares, though? It's like, who's actually selling albums anymore? Oh, you know, maybe. it really is about selling tours. It's really Musicians, about selling all that other stuff. Yeah, and vibes and like building an internet celebrity and. I don't know. I guess I just thought I was always more drawn to the movie stuff than the Grammys. Than the Grammys. I mean, back in the day, <coughs> that's I, not true. When MTV was big, yeah, I, I would watch. Yeah, man. The fuck out of the Grammys. Yeah, like if there was like a big performance, and you're like, shit, I want to see these guys yeah. perform with these guys mm-hmm. or. If Madonna was going to come on. And I just feel like it's not really shared. Like, it's not promoted well. Because I think it's been two years in a row that I had no idea the Grammys were coming up. Probably also because our job focuses more on... The visual stuff. Yeah. But I, 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 I honestly think it still comes down to sales, though, right? Because when you think about how much... They host it at the crypto arena, though. That's, like, probably the most expensive place to host an event. Yeah, I know. But, like, hmm. no one's buying fucking albums. Yeah, but there's a shit ton of other way that musicians make money now, whether it's their Instagram personalities or... or being sponsored or, yeah. or tours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really tours. I mean, that's really why you've seen concert tickets go from being, you know, 40 bucks. What are you doing? Why are they screeching? See, this the rats is, are screaming. This is what happens, when you, hang out. This is what happens when you hang out with Gina. You're in the middle of a conversation and then she looks away and she's looking at the rat cage. I might have to defend their honor at any given moment. They're just in there on top of each other right now. That's usually his, I'm, I'm slightly, you're touching me the wrong way, uh, screech. So I'm not too worried, but I just want to make sure. Yeah, they're fine. Just walking all over him right now. <laughs> Welcome to my life, everybody. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, just, I, 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 think it's, I think it's just changed, right? Mm-hmm. It just seems like these days it's not about building musicians. It's, it's about building brands and it's about building uh celebrity <coughs> what that, a nice thought that it is everything else what's that that's a nice thought is it a nice thought yeah i don't think it's a nice thought oh 
It's a bad thought. I mean, come on, man. Like, who's the coolest band right now that you're pumped about? The coolest band. What's yeah. your definition of cool and for what reason? Well, think of like when, uh, you know, let's think about when when I was growing up in the 90s, right? Whether or not you like them or not, U2 was one of the biggest bands in the world. Even be, even further beyond that, I guess you could say the same thing about The Killers. I guess you could say the same thing about uh, Radiohead for sure. Yeah, but I just think you're not tapped into the radio. It's the same exact thing today that it was then. Is it though? Yes. If anything, it's even more so because you don't just fall in love with people for their music or their music videos. You fall in love with their personal lives, too. Huh. Yeah, maybe it's just because I'm getting old. I mean, I'm, I like sometimes feel out of touch because I don't... Well, Spotify is also killing the radio, so I just feel like I'm not... That's, that's my point. It, like, I, I hear music in like bars and restaurants and random friends' houses, but... You are very much a... Um, what a Shazammer. That? Shazammer, yeah. You mm-hmm. do Shazam a lot. You do Shazam a lot. And I waited so long to turn on the feature on my uh, Spotify that just instantly uploads the tracks you Shazam into a playlist because I thought it would fuck with my algorithm. But I wasted years. It, it doesn't. It's just a new folder that's every sh- song you've ever Shazam. <laughs> so you can tell everyone stories while you're listening to the music mm-hmm. on what you were doing when you heard it. It was a missed opportunity. Everyone should do that. I just think that they're not building music or musicians the same way that they used to. Love her or hate it. And okay. I think they... they the, the you have si- way more skin in the game and time on this earth to make that as- assessment. Yeah. I mean, the, the side effect of it is, is that you're not getting... Because the money's not there initially, you're not getting like these giant albums, unless you're like a big pop act, like a Jay-Z or or, or Beyonce. Or, uh, Jay-Z's pop to you? Yeah. I don't know why. As long as we're talking about this one conversation, I'm just going to be combative. <laughs> yeah. You don't think Jay-Z's pop? Um, I think he's hip-hop. I think he's on the pop version of hip-hop. Huh. Jay-Z's not like underground hip-hop by any means. <clears throat> Jay-Z's pop. Yeah, but I think he's as respected as an underground hip-hop artist. Yeah, he's got that respect, but he wouldn't be a billionaire. Or is Jay-Z rap? <clears throat> I think Jay-Z's rap. I don't know. I think we should cut out this whole part of the, the talk. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I have no investment in this. Okay. I think he's great. <laughs> and I think musicians are great too. I'm not we we're supposed to talk about what movies we're watching. I'm not shitting on them. Well, no, he, they're oh, great. Obviously you don't listen to my podcast at all. That's true. I don't. What we can talk about we that just, too. We go off on the, ti- on the tangents and tirades and fall down different holes and talk about different things. Uh, I think artists are doing just fine. I think they're as fucked over and as not fucked over as they've always been. Well, you work with a lot more artists than I do. Yeah. <coughs> That's not true. I, I mean, I still think there's a place for people to make a lot of money in any career they're doing, depending on how they go into it. Mm-hmm. So I, regardless to whether it's musicians or podcasters or rat owners. <laughs> so let's talk about movies. Okay. So a uh, movie that we saw that we both agree upon being mm-hmm. a great movie was uh, Godzilla Minus One. Oh, so good. Yeah. that was a ri- Why'd you like that movie so much? Um, I don't know. I was just invested the whole time. Was it the characters? Yeah, the characters were great. Uh, I liked the way it looked. Yeah, the way it looked and was And you needed a win. So Godzilla was something I had no care for before. <laughs> That's not true. I had, a ra- I had a cat who had eyes that looked exactly like that old Godzilla. Yeah, from the 80s. So that was my attachment to Godzilla. But before I met you, I don't think I'd... No, I liked the 2001 one, so we were even different there. Oh, my God, that's right. 
<laughs> Matthew Broderick. I love Matthew Broderick. I had a crush on him. So yeah, I liked that movie as a little kid. But uh, I definitely became invested and I felt like there were a couple losses recently with Godzilla. And this maybe th- since I've met you, this is the most perfect Godzilla that you've described wanting to see. So yeah. that's also why I loved it so yeah. much. Yeah. It was really great. It was fun all the way through. And we watched it in the perfect theater. And did you have you already talked about it on the podcast? I might have mentioned it once or twice, okay. but yeah. Yeah, no, we did. We saw it in uh, the Dolby screening, which was great, which mm-hmm. had like rumble seats. It was great. Within like two <clears throat> seconds, it sounded like he was in the room with us, which Stop was crazy. And you yeah. did, your seats were moving. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. It was cool. really good the whole time. Usually I find like the storylines to be pretty cheesy mm-hmm. when I have to watch the old ones with you. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> Okay. Uh-huh. There are the movies you like to watch while you're falling asleep, so it's extra. It's an extra investment for me. <laughs> and when you're sad, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, uh, I liked I liked the period aspect. There were so many. Yeah, were, it looked really good. The yeah. outfits were awesome. Yeah, the comic. It looked really real. Storyline. I feel like a lot of the minus the the new ones in America, those they obviously spend all their money on CGI, but like a lot of them feel really not. Like they take me out in 2024 where I need to feel like things look real. I'm no longer like amazed that you can superimpose a dinosaur on a film strip and yeah. I'll believe it. Like yeah. I do appreciate it feeling real. Yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah. The, the period stuff was great. The kamikaze pilot sideline. They should definitely win the Oscar. Yeah. That was great. Um, the, uh, just the general fear and horror aspects of it, I thought yeah. were really great. Mm hmm. The opening was awesome with uh, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But the opening that with the smaller version of Godzilla sort of running around was pretty amazing. Um, <clears throat> oh, uh, why don't I remember that? Remember, it was on the okay. Spoilers, everybody. We don't have to talk about no, it. No, we can okay. just fast forward. Um, it was on the beach. Remember when the kamikaze oh, pilot comes yeah, yeah. back? I think I didn't even register that. That's a. I mean, you're such a f- fan. I didn't even register that was a smaller one until the movie was like. That was a baby one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a normal sized Godzilla. Yeah. 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 I think they were I think they were trying to say that was before he was exposed to the atomic weapons. Uh, okay. And I think the atomic weapons obviously increased. And I, I loved the like characters who I loved the storyline as much as I loved every time I saw him. Plus you got to see him so so often. I loved that like yes. that girl came in and it wasn't like a wasn't necessarily a sexual relationship. It was like a very realistic this is what societal norms were trying to fit but also deal with these boundaries that we don't understand i thought that mm-hmm. was really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just him de- <clears throat> him dealing with the guilt of the fact that he didn't kamikaze yeah you know i almost thought it was i was happy i am the sappy person who's like okay that person didn't die like that's good so she came back Mm-hmm. But I was like, that was kind of thrown in. That felt like that was the only part that I was like, how is she alive? I saw her get oh, blasted. Right. More realistic. I was happy that she was alive in general because then they got to live out whatever he loved her and he didn't realize type situation. I told so many spoilers here. Yeah. That was what we said. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so spoilers. sorry. I hate spoilers. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be more careful from here on out. No, just I warned people. They know. <clears throat> Holy shit. I just gave up the whole movie. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, that, that just feels like one of those things where you write it. And you write it as dark as you want it to be. And then afterwards, the audience goes, man, it feels really kind of dark at the end. I wish that there was like a, like, yeah. a, like an uplifter. That's one of those notes that I would get <clears throat> where it's like, it's too dark. You want some water? No. I you just, should drink some water. You I'm, got it? I'm dying. Okay. I'm dying today. It just seems like you're struggling. Not because you're annoying me or anything. Just I am struggling. <clears throat> it sounds like struggling. you're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, 
God. Yeah, I thought Godzilla was really... It was great. Really good. Like, really good. I, I really wish we had seen it again in theaters. Yeah, there's a piece of me that... They, they did it black and white, and it was here in black and white for a while, which would have been cool to see. Yeah. What's going on? What a weird sound that is. Welcome to the podcast. That's constantly... I've never heard that sound ever. The That's just for you. The microphones are picking up the ghosts. Ooh, I'm excited for Kill Tony tonight. Oh, you've become, you've become a huge fan of the... <laughs> I don't know what that sound what is. What is that noise? It's like metal rubbing against concrete is what it sounds like. Hold on. So weird. Yeah. <clears throat> you've been a, you become obsessed with Kill Tony and uh, Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. I am a giant Shane Gillis fan now. I had only seen like two minutes of his most viral skit on Instagram, mm-hmm. but uh, Jarvis came into town and basically shoved hours of Shane Gillis into our brain and now I am obsessed. I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome or not, but it's well, I mean Jarvis is Shane Gillis. Yeah, it's so good. <clears throat> it is the same thing. I just think he's so funny and he's he's so smart about taking the humor of his life and making it his schlick and then also being really weary not to be too mean to someone even though he's saying the most mean things ever, but it's like he waits for someone else to open up the floodgates. Yeah. And then pulls back when it's like I could literally destroy this person's life. I'm going to pull back. <laughs> I like that kind of control. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. I enjoy him. I enjoy him. The Kill Tony show, I'm like half and half on. I'm all in. Yeah. And I'm just excited that there's something to look forward to once a week, which is that. strange. <clears throat> well, it's like people that tune into this podcast. And me and Tran like it. Yeah, that's true. If I listen to podcasts, I guess I'd have that. Yeah, technically, that is a podcast. So technically, you being someone no. that... I, if I can watch it, I don't consider it a podcast. That's a podcast. Okay, if more pod, but that's like a show. It's a show that is filmed, and also, I guess, was it a podcast first? Always. Mm, Number would, one live podcast. I one hundred percent would not be into it if it was a podcast. But that's just my preference. <laughs> I can't focus. I I need to see it. I need to see the person using their mouth. <laughs> In order for me to stay entertained, or else I'm going to get lost in a hundred other things. I think that's the theme of the show. It's going to be called ADD. Yeah. Well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I enjoy it. I mean, you know, my issues in general are with. Um, sure, it is cringy to watch stand-up comedy. Like if you're watching bad like comedy. bad comedy, it's really hard. It's but you really have hard. that same thing with like shows that are too realistic, or shows that are too like cringy in a realistic way. Like if they do too good of a job of being real on topics that are cringy you have a hard time with that yeah and then you also have a hard time can i exploit you more sure go ahead <laughs> and then you also have a hard time with love stories that are too too real and traumatic and make you feel too intensely about a really horrible situation that you're like i don't ever want to watch this again um like, <laughs> like a marriage story a marriage story <clears throat> yeah i mean a marriage story was a good movie but you only watch it once it's not like you it's not like a when Harry met Sally, it's not like you put. But I on. enjoy how visceral it is. It's like you feel like you're in that relationship it's because those movies are made for you, for mm. your type of person, mm. which are like completely, completely engaged by the drama of the moment, because that's what those shows are. They're melodrama, one hundred percent. Okay, and that is like I can't, I can't combat you on that. It's not untrue. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and that's that's been the the it's switch. My political in, response. That's been the switch in the industry. The switch in the industry has been pushing very hard towards melodrama. So you have shows like White Lotus. You have shows like all these different oh, shows. White Lotus like, is such a good show. I just there just sort of hits a point with me where it feels like elevated soap opera shit, and then when I watch it, I go, another show about a bunch of pieces of shit, and I'm supposed to be invested in these pieces of shit, and then by the end of the show, they're pieces of shit. So. I think I enjoy 
philosophy and psychology maybe slightly more than you do. So I can become entertained with a fictional character making smart choices, whether they're good or bad or whether that makes them a good or a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I get really invested on how the, the consequences of those actions play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's good screenwriting. Yeah. I, like I, I, I'm always invested in good screenwriting, mm-hmm. but you know, I get it. I mean, I know. There's also like, it's, uh, what's weird is I'm no longer the demo. I'm no longer the demographic on multiple fronts. Like I'm out of the demo for the age range. I'm also out of the demo for the gender range. I'm out of the demo. And so when you're outside the demo and you're looking at how it's happening, I'm sure it was the same way when you were looking at like old Steven Seagal movies or old fucking, uh, what's his name movies? Jean-Claude Van Damme movies where you're like, these are obviously so much pandering towards a very specific 15-year-old boy, 13-year-old boy demo. He comes in the room, he does some splits, he has a girl with her boobs out, they fight, there's a bunch of gunfights, by the end of the movie, you're done. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing, but on the other end of the spectrum right now, where it's like a character comes out, they're going to cheat on each other, they cheat on this person, and then this happens. It's it's funny not to play male, old male, female stereotypes. (laughs) Not old male, like... Old men, like old <laughs> stereotypes about males and females and uh-huh. what shows they were watching. I am much happier to have been of the female watching category because I think I just need more now. Like I, sometimes when I watch the things that you like, I'm like, oh my God, a Jason Statham action movie. Like, what am I getting out of this? Uh-huh. This is a lifetime movie for men. It is. It is. <laughs> like the new one, the Beekeeper movie. One hundred percent. It is totally genre based, and it's in that it's in that other end of the spectrum. But I would say the same thing about anything on your Netflix queue. I would say the same thing about that high school. What was the zombie high school movie where the kid is in Glendale and they're all fighting the zombie high school? I didn't bullshit. even watch that show though. It's just like each and every one of these things. That's are, such a ra- of all the TV shows that we have watched or that I've watched. You pick one that I haven't even seen. <laughs> All right. But my point is, is that all that stuff is on that other end of the spectrum. Sure. And I don't think that that was good or else I would have watched it. I think I wanted to watch it because of the location, but I couldn't get into it. And I like zombie movies, but I just. Yeah, because they just sort of. It was too flashy, like YouTube influencer, the way that they've shot it that I was like, I can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that was you were kind of out of the demo for that. That was like a younger demo than that one. I just got. I'm 21 years old. Michael. I just got squinty eyes from you. <laughs> we don't talk about my age. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> well, what you're listening to, uh, people I'm just at joking, home, I don't care. What you're listening to is is the the sounds of two people that have been in a loving relationship now for quite some time. Do you know what I realize? It's 13. It's going to be 13 years. Yeah. I thought it was going to be going to be 14 years. That's crazy. Well, you know, it means you're, you're younger than you think. uh but yeah what you're hearing is what we generally talk about because it's very tough for us to find content that we both want to watch on tv consistently and these days what we're watching that we do both like we're watching larry david we're watching curb your enthusiasm yeah Uh, curb your enthusiasm that new episode was great he's so mad it's great i love (laughs) he was like Usually it seems like he's doing his unscripted. Also, it's it was so crazy to learn. I didn't know until a couple months ago that his show it's just a storyline and there's no script. So everybody is is ad-libbing. Yeah. 
yeah. based on what's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's great. That's why when you see them laughing, I always thought that that was just some weird way of acting. But I was like, no, it's them being like, this is funny what they just said. Now I have to come back <laughs> yeah. with something even funnier. <laughs> yeah, he often doesn't know when he goes into the scene. Yeah, that was crazy. What the that's that's so crazy. It's probably why he's he is Larry David the mm-hmm. show when he does interviews because he's just so good at that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should get Susie Essman on the show. I'm trying to. I would love to. I'd love she, to get anybody on. The she's show. Uh, her Instagram. I don't know if she uses it, but there's like, it's as if I've, she's a normal person. I think I've written to her. I'll, I'll try writing to her again. Yeah, you should get her on there. She's phenomenal. She's Lair. Forgiven everything you've ever done. Forgiven, Lair. Lair. <laughs> Where's the fucking head, Larry? <laughs> yeah, we love that show. Uh, we also. There's this weird sort of middle ground of very sort of vanilla content that we connect on and we watch. Like, Let's uh, be honest. It's very rare. Not very rare that we like the same thing, but I'd say maybe 25% of the time we like the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. 25% of the time we're repulsed by what each other likes. Mm-hmm. And 50% of the time we're like, hey. Maybe the 50% is a little gracious. There's like that gray period. Maybe it's 33, 33, 33. <laughs> 33 is like, I'll, most of the time it's me being like, I can get through this to spend time with you. And for you, it's like, I can't even be in the same room as you while you watch this. I don't even want to hear it. Or you, you're being in the side room making comments and I'm like, oh my God, get out of here. Yeah. I just can't take, I can't take it. I, I have so much trouble watching mm-hmm. stuff like that. I have so where's so much this trouble. middle ground that you're going? Well, I was saying like for us, it's the Kardashians. Yeah. Like we watch that. And if anything, the Kardashians are almost, I sit and I watch it with you because you really like to watch the Kardashians. <laughs> there are plenty of times that I go, I'm going to get up and do something. Don't pause it. I can guarantee I know one of five things is going to happen. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And then we watch, uh, we watch. Um, Kill Tony feels like a semi middle ground yes, for you. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then Rhett and Link. We watch a lot of Rhett and Link stuff. Yeah, we both. I mean, their formula is unbeatable. So yeah. it's like. But it's 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 fascinating. And then the other, like a couple weeks ago, I w- I knew that we wanted to watch something, so I did the research, and it was hard, man. I did the research to find some sort of middle. Oh ground, yeah, nineties, two thousands, late nineties to early two thousands to mid two thousands. Uh, rom coms or just comedies. Yeah, like anything in the Will Ferrell era. That's kind of gets always gets a pass by us. And it's weird, right? Because before I was in a solid relationship. I never really understood those. I never really understood that genre. And now, because we've been in a relationship so long, now that we're comfortable being honest with each other, now we're at a point where we're like, I'm not going to put up with what you're watching. You're not going to put up with what I'm watching. Yeah, no, I know. This this, This is what this genre is created for, is that, you know, date night. And then I never really understood what the quote date night was, but it's like safe middle of the round, no one's going to start arguing with each other fucking content. I remember, if I can speak to your past, mm-hmm. I remember hearing about how you, I think it was like we found a new girl, not a new girl, Um, what's the old women show? Girls? Golden Girls? Golden Girls, yeah. There was like a Golden Girls DVD in your house mm-hmm. when we started to date. And I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And you're like, my ex-girlfriend used to watch this every night before bed. And I still think about that statement because we're not allowed to watch TV in, in bed. <laughs> yeah, but it was an unhealthy relationship. That's and I was, true. And I was, but you know what? Some parts of that are admirable. <laughs> and for me, it's being able to watch whatever I want. It was, whatever an, un- I want. It was an unhealthy relationship in which I was forced to do this thing out of fear. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that out of fear. Mm-hmm. So what, what I was explaining before was that because we're in such a comfortable relationship and a giving relationship, 
we both of us don't have to do that for each other. And the big difference between you and me is this. Mm. At no point do I say to you... My chest is getting tingly. Yeah, Where are you going with this? At no point do I say to you, hey, Gina, I'm going to watch a Jason Statham movie. Come watch this with me. I don't go, come enjoy, come sit the, and, and watch this thing with me. And you need to watch this Jason Statham movie. I never do that. I know what your limitations are. And I, go, I used to, because I used to think... It'd be really nice if Mike was a part of my life and the things that I like. <laughs> it's TV. But now, <laughs> it's TV. I also no longer do that. <laughs> well, you've slowly over time just been worn down by me going like, "Why are you making me watch this fucking show? Mm-hmm. I have no interest in watching this show. Mm-hmm. I love you, but I can't sit here next to you and not. I can't. I can't watch it. Well, thank God you created a podcast that you can scream out into the ether, <laughs> and I don't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, it's true. But I love you. Well, that's part of the reason why you like me is that I am so passionate. It's part of the reason why I love you. Yeah. When it's a, so when it's definitely something we both agree on, or it's a conversation that I want to have, mm-hmm. I love it. Every other situation, <laughs> I'm happy you have this and other friends. <laughs> it's very true. Because <laughs> I am an old cynical dude, and that's yeah, been you are. that's your big fight is sort of fighting through the mm-hmm. the cynicism. And I I appreciate the fact that you are a contrast to that. That always makes me happy. Me too. Makes me happy. Because if I am in a world of cynicism and, and I'm just like connecting the dots and I'm f- like a fucking crazy person and like an old Tony Scott Can you imagine movie. if you got joy out of blowing one of those little like flowers? Like you were just walking alone and you blew a... Dandelion? What are those called? A dandelion? <laughs> that was the way I was having a good day. That was my good day yeah, move. That's all it takes for me. And for you, that's like... <laughs> That would be like, is Mike about to kill someone? <laughs> yeah. like, what is this behavior? If you saw me he's doing unhinged. that. <laughs> uh, what is my good day? Um, what is your good day? Yeah, if yours is blowing in uh, the, the... Well, no, I'm just saying how easy it is to turn the, my the day dan- around. petals off of a dandelion. That is not my good day. Uh, <laughs> I think there are plenty of other things I would like to do. But going on a more to emphasize that there's more to my good day i'm going to speak to that first before we get into your good day okay all right you don't want to feel unrepresented with your good day no i don't want to feel misconstrued uh Uh, there a good day for me would be working on photos probably something art related for me Mm -hmm. i feel really good doing my own work or having a good call or getting a response which is you know something i'm also in therapy for is that my, getting validation yeah she, my therapist will be like you're she can tell i'm not going to be good if things are really good with work because then i'll have nothing to talk about therapy wise but then if i'm not working at all it's like all the horrible things that right. i can possibly think of because i've now thought less of myself for not working so yep. i hate to admit that a good day is something involving work but it is because i do what i love for work yep. so it affects me emotionally when i'm not doing it or whatever and i feel really good about my work so it's like I, I like to be doing that. But another good day could be like, I went to see a movie by myself. I like doing things alone and I'm a very social person. So I think I treat being alone as like a treat. The special moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm also an only child. So like, I like being alone again, some as a treat, not as a choice. I'd like to be around people as a choice. Mm-hmm. You were, you just had COVID and our roommate picked up instantly that I was not going to do well alone in the house quarantining. So that's why he made an effort to like eat, have dinner with me every night and like <laughs> hang out and watch movies, which is not something he usually likes to do. So I, I appreciated that extra effort he did to take care of me <laughs> and my mental state. Um, so yeah, a good day would just be work or I don't know, doing something that I like going to the zoo. 
Yeah, that's a are, good day. You are a zoo nut. Uh, you do like the zoo. I do. It's the not the prairie dogs. What are they called? Prairie dogs. Are they the prairie dogs? Wait, no, meerk- no meerkats. Meerkats. Yeah, meerkats, meerkats yeah. Like. Well, but aren't meerkats prairie dogs? Mm, I think they're like no. A di- prairie dogs look more like like thick. Yeah, like rump roast. They're different. Butts. Yeah, they're different. Okay. <clears throat> Um, yeah, that would be many things that I have a good day doing. What's a good day for me? A good day for you is you've done a lot of work <laughs> and you feel really good about the amount of work you did and you had something positive movie making wise mm-hmm. or you crushed like two podcasts or not work related. You had a really good meal with someone and you had a really good conversation with someone or you're in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> at any time of the year mm-hmm. uh, or you hung out with friends. So yeah, I think we're pretty similar. It's yeah. like you're mostly dictated by work, but then also like your life enjoyments are food and conversation. And Yeah. I mean, we're two social animals. We yeah. like to be social with mm-hmm. a lot of our stuff. And there is, uh, we both have, ooh, that's a nice one. We both have, you know, I mean, we work in this business. So there's a general fear about work consistently that's always running in the background. And mm-hmm. then there's a general fear on time. And if you aren't paying attention to time, then suddenly like 30 days go by or 20 days go by. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck have I done with my life? And <clears throat> I, I feel like at any point in time, that is always behind everything for me. Like at any point in time, that's always there. I know. I'll watch you do a lot of stuff in a day and then you're like, what am I doing? Yeah, what is my life like? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't suffer with that. I can get one thing done. And I'm like, we should celebrate. <laughs> I sent out five emails today. Let's get a bougie ass dinner. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's why I love us. I love mm-hmm. you because like you do have that opportunity. And then I feel like I also am there to support you and make sure that you're experiencing the moments when you're having the moments and you're yeah. in the middle of the moments. And you're very helpful for me not having to go through, well, I'd, I'd consider myself a very, I self-protect myself a lot mm-hmm. regardless, but you have a, a lot more experience or have had since I've known you a lot more experience in the industry. So you've been able to like protect me from yeah. experiences that I couldn't possibly have had. That like you you'll know. see them and be like, this is what's, this is like, so that I don't have to learn in a bad way. Yeah. You just haven't had, great. you haven't walked through some door, some doors. That's basically now it. though. Now, yeah. Now you're crushing. pretty good. Pretty, you, you crushing. pretty good. You crushing now. <laughs> it's nice, man. I, yeah. It's nice to see you fucking killing it. Thanks. Not, <clears throat> not even trying to be like anything, but just like, uh, ex- appreciating how much experience I've had now compared to when we met. How long have you been working now in the business? <sighs> Over a decade, I think. Over 10 years, right? 2000. I think like 2010 is when I started to think about doing that because I was like, I don't want to do school. Yeah. I don't want to do anything else. I always wanted to do it. And then 2011, I think I started doing underage nightlife mm-hmm. <laughs> photography. Mm-hmm. And 2012, I think, is when I said. So, like 2022 would have been your 10 year mark. So, I'm all, wow, this is going to be my 12th year. That's crazy. It makes a lot of sense looking at the success that you've had and all this. Like it, and this is the thing that always uh, used to fucking drive me crazy is that people were like, it just takes time, it takes time, it takes time. And it just does. Do you agree? Yeah. Like, it, it took you this long to get the, the level of jobs that you're getting, and they're coming to you naturally. You're not actually. Uh, like chasing these jobs. It's hard to get jobs that way. I mean, if rare, it's rare that I reach out and I get a job. It's, yeah. it is, you know, 
mostly people coming to me, which you know, I don't know if people should be saying that. I don't know if that makes me look bad, but no, it's, it's like true. It's true. <laughs> cold reaching out to people that you don't know is a very hard way to get to know people. And I'm also not a fake person, so I'm not going to be like, hey, I want a job. Like, I, I'm not going to force that type of relationship. I'm like, yeah. we could just be, I, I'm just happy being friends with other people in the industry too. So it's like, yeah, no, it's, it is definitely like you have to do your own shit and then thing come, things come. Yeah. And then you also, there's a, there's a, there's a benefit to you making sure that you're reaching out and meeting people so that mm-hmm. they are aware of what your stuff is. But you also have to understand like they have to become aware of your work and then become obsessed with your work and then want to hire, like put their And neck the most the important thing, the word you've said several times is your work. Yeah. I think it's so important to take the time to figure out what motivates you. My work is, uh, based on my personal experiences and you can see inspiration building in my work since before I picked up a camera, I used to, you know, like photocopy pictures and make that like, Oh, I'd be excited that a printer wasn't working well or like this color wouldn't show up. And then Mm -hmm. I'd invert it or like all this crazy stuff. And like, I do, I remember I just saw on Facebook, like a family Thanksgiving that we had maybe like a decade ago where I took the photos, brought them into Photoshop and, inverted all the black so that it had created like a hot pink anywhere where there was black in the image and my fam i'm sure i handed those photos to my family like you've destroyed these <laughs> like why is half my face hot pink with no detail at all but i was like that's so cool so it's like you really have to build your own style and i think it's a mistake for anyone to see someone else's work and be like that's the measure of success so if i if i learn the same mm-hmm. techniques if i edit the same way if i try to take the same path i think you're you're taking a path that's never going to end well. It's, I mean, there's a difference between inspiration and copying. Obviously, mm-hmm. if, while you're starting, start to learn from people. Mm-hmm. Copy their work so that you learn uh, technical skills, but then figure out what motivates your images mm-hmm. because that's what's going to get you work. And but that's something I've always prioritized. The only personally. thing for some people, like you had a very specific path, man. The only thing for some people is that it actually takes them time and confidence, time to find their confidence and time to find their ability sure. to step off. But I think there's a, a time, there's a time limit, like where you begin to see that it's not getting, it's not changing. Is there a time limit though? <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm speaking to personal experience, but, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I want everyone to succeed. And I think if you get good at a technique, go figure out what that technique means to you for your storytelling purposes and not Mm -hmm. to see more images that you can now make. Like don't make other images. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that that's, that's a necessity for anything. Like if you're making a movie and I know you say there are directors who come off the heels of other directors whose work look very similar. I think that's a misfortune to those directors. They never got to build their own style. Sure. Sure. I agree. But I'm a huge fan of, and maybe that's just my personal style. You know, there, obviously there's a whole network of people in New York who make work that looks like New York work. Yeah. And it's interchangeable. But for me, personally speaking, my sure. whole premise has been, can I? Can someone else identify my work based on the way that it makes them feel? Sure, maybe the colors, the way I edit, but that's always changing. You know, like maybe mm-hmm. five years ago, mm-hmm. I was using colors all over my image. And now I'm like, oh, how can I distill this? Like I just want to distill to just such fine detail mm-hmm. that I'm no longer needing to color wash right now. And then I'll probably go back. But it's like, how much more fun is that journey than being like, Ooh, I want to be like Stephen Klein or I want to be like so-and-so that's like a, a very sad path to just always go on. In my opinion. I agree with you. And I think that there is, you are in a very good situation 
right? You've created a world for yourself, right? Where you're about uh, self-development, whether you're talking about art or whether you're talking about going to, th- to therapy, you're in a situation where you're surrounded by uh, creativity. You and me is a, is a, is a couple. But these are all race. active choices I've worked very, very I know, hard I'm for. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. These are all contributors to it. Sure. And, and there are a lot of people. And I've, that's what I want to promote, though, in my work. Yeah. It's like I, I don't want to promote anything else. I think there's a million ways to go. And I, I don't think any single way is wrong, I guess. I think that your work, the, all of these factors that are the the soup that you live in to make your work is what makes your work really great. And then being aware of these factors and understanding how to tweak these factors and do these things to change your work or to redo inspiration or find new things. I think that's what makes your work stand out for what it is. And I think that w- that's what makes your work really great. Thank you. And I think to overarchingly speak to this mm-hmm. tangent that we've gotten minute on is, uh, <laughs> Welcome to the I show. think for me, what I hope people see or get inspired to when they're around my work, and, and if anything else, I feel like I've failed them, is that they get inspired to do something weird that they're afraid to do that they haven't seen before. Because I think that's, I spent many years crying, being like, how can I make my work look like other people, people's work? Will I ever get hired? Mm-hmm. How come I don't see this anywhere? Like, mm-hmm. I was afraid of it, and I was embarrassed by it for a while. And then I started to think it was bad. But as soon as I was like, we're in such a career that is so fickle and you're going to be let down one almost 100% of the time. It doesn't matter how big you get. How many interviews do we watch of the world's biggest people being like, this is shit yep. <clears throat> until the, the day they die. There are fashion photographers in history who have killed themselves, not because their work wasn't good, but because people stopped paying attention to them. So yeah. it's like, if that's what your goals are, if they lie on anything besides progressing your art from an organic place, one, you'll get hired for that because that's what people are drawn to is like, not because you say things cool. It's not because I'm some weird, unattainable character. And it's not even, I'm not even saying that I'm amazing. It's just, I make things for myself Mm -hmm. that I love. So therefore my work is always growing and always changing and hopefully interesting to people because it's not supposed to be a replication of something else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what serves me. Mm -hmm. And I do think on the flip side, not to naysay people that copy because there are certain people who really thrive on, replicating and that's okay if that's what makes them happy that's okay well and then there <clears throat> there are people that have careers based upon that like if wow, you, this has really become a therapy session yeah well, welcome to the <laughs> show uh if you look at uh, um the movie world right so i'm gonna fuck the guy's name up alv alvis i think we were in the same Elvis room with presley him. i think we were in the same oh, room with the guy him that's Scott doing Free. the new ghostbusters no no new alien new alien yeah but he also did don't breathe mm-hmm. he did the girl with the dragon tattoo yep remake um he had the ability to on a very surface level replicate david fincher mm-hmm. so like if you look at don't breathe it's essentially panic room it's all the same tricks that he used for panic room but he did for don't breathe mm-hmm. and if you quite obviously look at the difference between girl with the dragon tattoo and the u.s version one and two that's why he got hired that's why he gets the gigs do you feel like the director yeah, and I think that's good for him if that's working for him and that's making him happy. And I mean, whoever can make it to that point in their career, good for them, regardless to how they I, do I it. I just think in general, in the career path, you have these you have these people that are that are uh, creative leaders that are pushing the boundaries and doing things. Yeah. And the way our business works is you have a bunch of people that are just whether chasing they're those. cheaper, whether they're exactly. more attainable. It's exactly. true that that needs to be there. But I guess my hope is whatever. I'm just being my poetic, trying to inspire 
trying to push out of that boundary. We came from the East Coast where like everybody's work looks the same. And I don't even know if it's people copying each other. It's the fact that there's no inspiration there. Well, and also all the clients wanted the same shit. Boston was very much like a corporate place. And Mm -hmm. I I never felt like I fit in there. I mean, yeah, I I did do. And I didn't dislike doing corporate work because there was a lot of good money in it. But I didn't. It didn't bring me joy after a while. So I was like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to put it. I'm going but to focus. You've, you've kind of readjusted how you do corporate work now. Where yeah, now you well, work for corporate that companies. Was, yeah. What was so great about it is I stopped trying to make my, my work look like everyone else's. But I think there's an inherent commercial accessibility about my work, which someone once made. I don't know. It felt like someone once made fun of me for that. But now I'm also like, fuck you. Now I can get hired by the most obscure client mm-hmm. and the biggest client. Mm-hmm. And that was because I didn't let people tell me that my work was too weird or that it was too, the weird people saying it's too commercially accessible. Like, who cares what people think? I think mm-hmm. that's what, I, again, then that plays down to like me constantly making work for myself that makes me feel good. And I think, of course, for me personally, like once I look at my work, a lot of times I go, this is bad. But that's also like, then whatever. If I if I still smoked weed, I knew that when I smoked weed and I looked at my work, I was like, I could look at it as if it wasn't mine. And also I was high, so I'd be like, well, that's cool. So it's like there's still a bunch of different times in your life you'll, you will like your work again. But I think it's also, you know, once you look at something, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's something you wrote or a movie or mm-hmm. like you're just going to be like, I'm tired of this or a food. So I think. Yeah. And then you give it some time. Yeah. And then you look at it again. Step in the away. Back end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You come back to it. You go, wow, I was pretty innovative when I was doing it at that period of time. Yeah. 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 It's tough. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, my main thing was just do your own shit. Not that it has to be not like anybody else's, but like make yourself happy first. And I, f- I find it hard to believe that anyone could find, be truly happy copying someone else. That's kind of what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I mean, and to be devil's advocate, there's also, you said it multiple times in that thing, like who cares what other people think are doing? Oh, like. Like if, if there are people copying, who oh, gives a shit? No, I don't. Like it, like it doesn't really make a difference in the long run. No, because, I mean because I don't, the, the, you're you're on a you're on a such a fucking okay, so valuable like, path that it, it's like it's Jack Bridgeland. Sure, sure, but then you're asking people to get over a lot of trauma who have issues with people copying them. So <laughs> you are not certified to help in that matter. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, then you have people like Jack Bridgeland, who's a phenomenal photographer, who literally brought back the '90s magazine aesthetic like grungy Mm -hmm. hip-hop meets cartoon aesthetic with that robert pattinson piece and now everything he does and he has such a distinct style that you can instantly see a copy like you can see a jack bridgeland copy and Mm -hmm. i'm like there's only one jack bridgeland what i hope that i teach people regardless to if I was good or bad mm-hmm. is the confidence to make your own work mm-hmm. and fight the status quo and find what it is that you want to say in a world that says so much. So there's so much noise. So like, what is it that you feel truly passionate about? It could be anything. It could be politics. If that's what you're into, it could be colors. It could be animals. It could be philosophical ideas. It's, I hope that if anything, if in all the times that I've been on here or that we talk or anyone that I talk to, my goal is simply make your own art because mm-hmm. it's going to suck 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. And who knows what level I'll reach. Like my goal has always been to keep making art. So whatever levels I reach are goals that I didn't know I had, that I fell into each time I was making something new. S- having one big goal is also stressful because then you're, you're, you might always be let down, whereas you could just be excited that you're getting better. So I think my goal is just 
copying to me seems like a disservice to yourself unless you like copying. But if you're truly interested in in finding your own art, find the time to branch out to just take pieces of something and be like, what am I want to say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, not to be too naysayer of anything, but I think you know art should be fun and art should be original. And originality, I don't think it exists because everything we everything we dream, everything we see, it's everything we say, zeit- it's all in the zeitgeist. It's something we've experienced that already exists. Right. But I can else. see I can see a photo and be like, be inspired by the most obscure thing in it. And there's only been one piece of work I have ever copied and it's never going to come. I bet it's never going to come out because it's a part of that series we did with a certain artist. <laughs> Remember there was a photo I was obsessed with. So I made a whole music video on what would happen in the photo if it was a motion piece. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. To which I would credit that person and be like, honestly, I've always wanted to bring this to life. And, mm-hmm. But I also think that's different because. Well, I mean, there are other, there are other amazing, uh, music video directors that are in the fucking Smithsonian, like Mark Romanek, would just replicate classic arc that art yeah. that he saw and then make it into a music. But video. Mark, Mark Romanek has a view and a perspective, mm-hmm. and He's I can amazing. tell his work from from someone else's. But it was also he, his inspirations were coming from a different place at that sure. time. At that uh, time, my period. work is inspired by, and I hate to even put these people's names with mine because I am by no means saying that I am these people or at mm-hmm. this caliber, but I just am giving examples of people that everyone will know. Uh, my work's inspired by paintings a lot of the times, like old Renaissance paintings or 19, I'm obsessed with 19, the 1950s in Hollywood. So it's like, that's, that's great. That's a mix. That's a soup that creates your specific view. Mm-hmm. Lots of inspiration. Well, it also it also feels like what you're trying to do, at least I'm trying to do this all the time, mm-hmm. is I'm trying to look beyond the zeitgeist. And you're trying to like look back and see something that's really great. The, the benefit that we have as artists is that the general public's <laughs> uh, zone of interest is about 20 years. Oscar Ruff. It's about 20 years. So like... Like you start going back further, most people are like, "I've never seen that. I don't know what this is." Like we just watched a great movie the other day, Society. But don't you just see things? Like I don't even have to watch the movie. I could see a still from something and be like, "I am horribly inspired by this." Sure. What is this world? How does this make me feel? I think that's what I think first. Is like, why do I feel so intensely about this? Mm-hmm. So I find that interesting. So there are movies from the. I admittedly don't watch a lot of black and white movies because. It's hard to hold my attention when there's no color <laughs> and there's just gradations of light. What? I know that's messed up and it doesn't very sound very artly of me, but <laughs> it's true. I'm very color driven. I need like a little flashing lights being like, you should look this way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to expose you to stuff that I'm watching, which is yeah. bad because my, my, my reach goes a bit further back than yours because the 20 year difference. And I like learning. I learn a lot of technical stuff from you because yeah. I'm a very emotionally driven. Yeah. How many years was I into my career? And I didn't even know how to use a camera. I yeah. just memorized what buttons I needed to press to get the look that I wanted. I wasn't like, Oh, F stops and yeah. shutter speeds. Now it's obviously second nature, but there was a good two years of me shooting being like, if this camera settings get fucked up, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say that uh, it's not about going back to replicate someone's work. It's about going back and understanding the language. And so like somebody before you, especially in cinema, someone before you has been developing the language of cinema mm-hmm. since the beginning. Since the beginning, Like the first guy that, that shot a train and shot a wide shot, a close-up and had the train coming in the camera, 
that was that was the language starting. It was yeah. like th- this is this element of it. Sure, which is funny because that's all technical, like art. I think it's technical, but I also think it's like it's not just tech. It's like it's as technical as knowing how to. I guess maybe it's as technical as knowing how to put together a sentence. No, I love it. I I can tell when something's truly technical because you'll describe it to me. Mm-hmm. I'll know the emotional effect I've gotten, from, which also makes me a good basic viewer of movies is mm-hmm. I'll know the emotional response I've gotten from something. And then I'll watch your, you cram these YouTube videos that break down like camera movements. And I'm like, that's insane Yeah, to think that this person made all of these choices to, technically to make, you, to make you feel the emotional. And those context. are technical choices. Someone who's an unskilled director, it isn't that they can't imbue those type of emotions in their piece, but they're going to be very reliant on what's right in front of them and not what tools they have, which yeah. is, it's so cool to see how technical you can get. I think I was very hesitant to be technical in the beginning because I was like, I feel so, I was afraid to learn more because I liked what I was doing and I was afraid that was going to affect my creativity mm-hmm. and make me less organic. But then I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm so happy to know this stuff now and be able to make these choices and be like, this lens for this. I used to be like, I want one lens and this is the lens I want to yeah, use. Yeah, and now yeah. I'm like, this should be for this. This does this, which is crazy. And this is such simple stuff, but I feel like maybe for someone getting into the art, that's a cool learning experience. Yeah, man. But it's like it's like when you're working in a kitchen, right? <clears throat> and like you are are training yourself and you're like, hey, I've gotten really good at making toasted cheese sandwiches because that's what I love. I love to make toasted cheese sandwiches. I love how I feel when I make toasted cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And you you sort of hit a plateau with that where you go, all right, this is how I make toasted cheese sandwiches. And you, you have Damn. to find inspiration to get out of the toasted cheese sandwich market. I am. Right? Um, that's a very good example because I definitely had... Uh, an obsession with one sandwich when I was I used to fall in love with food and then eat that <laughs> same food for every meal for weeks. That's like serial killer shit. Mm-hmm. And it was this one like mushroom. I wish I still know how to do it. It was in like a pita wrap and it was a mushroom sandwich and it had like spinach in it and like cheese. I don't know. It was so fucking good that I made it every day is for every like meal. A, is it like a bork? I don't know. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It was definitely like American type food, but yeah, and that that's the same way for art, right? Because it's like, okay, I was introduced to a ProMist filter. I didn't take that ProMist filter off for like a year. And now I'm like, it doesn't always make sense. Yeah. yeah. It made sense when I was obsessed with it, but now I'm like, is that right for this? Like, it was a hard time for me to not see it and then be like, why don't I need it? But now it's like, it's better without it. And I've I just shot, I think I shot my first couple sets since I was in nightlife, but in nightlife I used to rely on a bunch of like camera drags and like Mm -hmm. crazy effects and lighting as well. I'm doing my first sets with like one light, no filtration, a modern lens on a modern camera, which for me was like Mm -hmm. non-existent for what the first 12 years of Mm -hmm. my career. And I'm like, that's so cool. And it, and it's cool because it doesn't not look like my art. Like no, no, it still looks like my work, but it's things that I would never think of using. You're graduating. Like yeah. you're emotionally graduating to the next level where you're not relying upon the tricks that were so inspiring to you initially that gave you like your first emotional response to it. And eventually that most emotional response fades. Mm-hmm. Eventually you're just like, got it. Is this my thing? Am I a one trick pony? Am I only using one lens? Am I only using a filter? It's like <clears throat> you just did a job recently where you, for the, you weren't allowed to use a hazer mm-hmm. and you, we love to use hazers. You love to use hazers for volumetrics and be able to see the space. And so technically you were able to talk to Kruda and go through the process and him being like, try this filter. Such and utilize a this filter. cool filter. And so that, then you were able to get relatively close to what that, that oh, yeah. look looks like. I would say besides getting like beams of shooting light, yeah. which only the volumetrics of haze can do, it was 
pretty spot on haze effect. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good for us because we didn't, well, that's not true. We did have some light that would have been very sharp. But then you're just furthering your language, right? So now you know what the effect was that you liked about the hazer, but you could, physically couldn't do it. So then you went, okay, is there another way to write this sentence? Is there another way for me to do this that fits the restrictions that I have? Mm-hmm. And you were really so monumental for the first, I mean, you still are, obviously, but you were so monumental to the first years of my career because I would say that I was way far ahead with aesthetic and what I liked, mm-hmm. but so far behind in how to make it a reality. I was so scared of like lighting. I was so scared of like moving a light and then what if I can never get that light back? And it was wild how restricted I was with the technical skills, but I had so many ideas and things that I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. you were like, mon- I just had, you were on all of my sets. You did all the lighting and I, I was afraid. I knew what I wanted and I would tell you when I liked and didn't like something, but I was too afraid to even touch a light, which is so crazy. But now you know how to do all of that stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Totally different now. Yeah. And, or yeah, now I could do it. I did it for many years, but I, now I'm also like, I like having a, a lighting team there. I don't, I don't, but you I don't also, do you also developed your own language. Yeah. So over that period of time, I would bring in a lot of all sorts of different things that I knew. Mm-hmm. And you would like, we'd work together and you'd slowly be like, I don't like those edge lights that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like this thing. And then we finally got to a point where you're like, I like, and remember, I had to sit down with you and really talk out the language of it. Because yeah, Kruda like, still fights me on this. Yeah. I'll send him a bunch of hard light pictures, and I'm like, soft, diffuse light only. He's like, you are sending me hard, hard light, light photos. Pictures. I'm like, you better make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took us a And I had to sit down with you and go, all right, let's move this light around. Let's go through this process. What you actually like is this angle mm-hmm. and this, this and t- as an kind artist, of diffuser. You, you also have to realize that other people are going to be giving you what they like yep and it's okay to not like i think for a while too i was like okay i'm just gonna do this not that i didn't like it i obviously loved what i created and i can try to be able to make anything in any situation but it took a while to be like how do i get what i really really Mm -hmm. want even though i'm using people that are super fucking talented like Mm -hmm. where am i missing myself in this but that's the the graduation into being a director Mm -hmm. that's a graduation into that for sure because when i first i learned this stuff from a lot of the dudes when I was younger, like Mike Henry, I talk about this on the show all the time, and I should have him on the show. He was the one that taught me about cutting light and shaping light. And so when I started working with him, because I would shoot everything before that, when I started working with him on set, he's like, you just turn lights on and you just point them in a direction. You, you know, you're missing this whole angle and avenue. And so I spent time working with him on a few pieces and I watched how he did things. And then I took what I needed from what he was teaching me. Mm-hmm. And then still, he used to get pissed at me at flares and lens flares and all that stuff. He's like, why the fuck are you fl- just flag that light? Why are you flaring? Why are you doing that stuff? I go, because it, it's cool. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and I know that you can <laughs> cut that. good. But what he, what he taught me is the stuff that we use, which is the separation. And I now know technically how much distance I need from a back wall for the person. I now know technically how to shape lights so that mm-hmm. they stay off the back wall to give you that depth to give you all that shit. And that's stuff that you learn from really talented key grips who in turn learn that every time they, what's interesting about those guys is that they're working for a different cinematographer every job they do. Mm. So he's worked with Robert Richardson who does all the Tarantino stuff. He's worked with some of the biggest guys in the business and he watches how they do things. And then they will tell him, hey, will you shape it this way in this specific way? And then he's been doing it now for almost 30 years mm-hmm. and so he walks on sets with a lot of younger folks and he's just like explain to me what you need and what you're looking for 
and I will teach you the language that I have, and you decide whether or not that's a language that you want to use. Mm -hmm. That's what's so cool about our business is that there is no rules to it. For sure. And everybody that we collaborate with, and we hear this all the time, it's a collaborative business, and I think it's sort of a passive statement. But the truth of it is, you're dealing with each and every person's traumas, their experiences, their loves, their inspirations, whether you're talking with, about a wardrobe stylist or whether you're talking about a hair and makeup person or if you're talking about a lighting technician. Mm -hmm. And it's your job to oh be gosh. able to take yeah. all their, their words and build this new sentence with it. Uh, that makes me... There was a lot of things you said there that made me want to talk about a lot of things. Wardrobe and makeup. Okay. Wardrobe and makeup. I just shot a set where, where I told you I, it was the first time that yeah. I felt like I got exactly what I was dreaming, like was hoping for. You know, it's like oftentimes there are restrictions, whether it's budgetary, what fits or, you know, how someone else interpreted something or maybe you put one extra picture in the mood board that someone really fell in love with. So things are different, but like this shoot was exactly everything, like mm -hmm. every piece of clothes against the wardrobe, every makeup look was just like flawless and, and perfectly on point. It was like the first time I felt like, not that I don't love everything, but you know, there's always some compromise in a crew yeah. where someone's a little different than you. Not that that's wrong. It obviously makes a piece cool in that way, but but, but, it's, but you're still, you're making it's compromises. It's very rare that any artist gets 100% without any like feedback or like whatever, but this, this set was just so fucking seamless and I'm so proud of it. Um, nice. It should be coming out in a magazine soon. Oh, right. It's going to be published? Yeah. That's great. And what? why do you think that that happened on that one? Um. I really think it's it's who you, there's nothing that I did differently. I think I worked with the right people who wanted the exact same things. So everyone came together and was very collaborative because I'm super collaborative and very much like, let's talk about this a lot. This is the idea. I'm going to put together so much information, the books I create for m moods. And even if it's just a fun shoot, I have like, 10 to 15 pages of stuff you do uh it still takes all of us like such a such a rare thing i think you know mm -hmm. which is weird to say because I'm, I'm happy with everything i've ever made but it's so fucking rare that all everyone on the set just comes together mm, yeah. like the model on point all the poses that i love all the everybody was just like it was so seamless so yeah i don't I think it was not luck, but it just was a really nice... The alignment of it. The alignment which is, is why it happened. Yeah, which is crazy because <clears throat> you're trying to plan for that alignment all the time. This is why when people find crews that they love, they stick with those crews for years mm -hmm. and years and years. Oh my gosh, yeah. I want to work with all these people all the time. Yeah, Unfortunately, some of them are in New York, but yeah. it's okay. Next time I go to New York. That's the thing, right? Uh, you, you'll hear about like... Uh, what's her name? I, I, I saw this recently. Um, Greta, Greta Gerwig was saying on Barbie... Mm -hmm. One of the biggest benefits that she had on that entire shoot was that the key grip, the dolly grip, was friends with Margot Robbie. And so because they had spent so much time together, they had an unwritten communication about physicality that he would be on point every time she moved, every time she walked, every time she did something. So they were able to get their dolly shots sure. faster and quicker because she was best friends with this dolly grip. Mm -hmm. that's, that's true. Yeah. And the people I worked with were all... That's why it's hard for me to pinpoint because we had... All of us had never met each other before that day. So that was rare. You yeah. know, it's usually I have to build that type of connection overall to like really hone in on everyone's, you know, where their strengths are for something. But 
Yeah. This was like on point <laughs> right crazy. off the cut. It was insane. I'm so happy with it. That's um, crazy. But that's you firing on all cylinders. That's great when you have those opportunities yeah. and you're in that space. I feel like there's something else that you mentioned before all that, but it's gone. What? I talked about makeup and I talked about wardrobe. Before that. It's okay. I think it's gone for yeah. you. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. You should be. I, I mean, your work is amazing. And oh, I'm, I'm your you're biggest. so biased, though. I'm not biased. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> but I've been here with you, uh, trying to support you as much as I possibly can, trying to help you get to the position. You're the best support. We make a great team. I remember yeah. when we used to hide that we were a couple on sets purely <laughs> because I didn't want anyone to think less, like, think less of me in a sense where it's like, you've been doing this so much longer than me. So it's like, oh, yeah. But I you wanted don't, you to. don't have to worry about that. No. And now. You know, you hear about like corporate, you can't be in love in corporate settings, but it's like, we totally get to do that. And obviously yeah. we're not like PDA or anything on set, but I don't ever think twice about telling people that you're my fiance now. I don't know if we talked about it last time you are on the show, but I still laugh at uh, the sheet that we did uh, uh, with Michelle. Mm -hmm. And we're on that shoot because the way that we work is that I'm the way always- way that you sass me? Yeah. I'm always moving the lights. You to get cut. I'm always moving the lights. And so I'm always tweaking. And the, the problem when you're shooting photos is there's a lag. There's a mm -hmm. constant lag. And then everybody's sort of cramming themselves around the fucking monitors. Of the computer I was using. No, I forget. There was a specific issue on that set that was very frustrating. Just in too. general. If you're a lighting guy, it's the most frustrating fucking thing. So if you're oh, it was, oh, it was the first set I did was the new Fuji, which is a good commentary for anyone using the new fuji is lossless compression yeah. turn on lossless compression it turns your 200 megabyte photos into 20 megabyte photos so on that set i was running out 200 megabyte photos so my the computer even though it was like one of the best was like i'm gonna need 10 minutes to upload these <laughs> you're not getting any live previews here so there's <laughs> no live previews so i can't make these adjustments and you're shooting so quickly and you're changing angles so quickly yeah. so I think the reason why we work well together is that I'll put my lights on wheels and I'm consistently looking where you are and moving lights and doing things. And sometimes I'll find something when you walk away and the machine's not caught up yet. And I'll go, Gina, shoot, 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 shoot. And I'll tell you to come back and shoot stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there's, a, and we have sort of this communication that is that where you'll hear me go, Gina, come back, come back, come back, shoot, 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 shoot this, shoot this. And so uh, Michelle was there and she was just looking at me and she was just like, what is your relationship with the photographer? Because there's usually a structural thing that happens. Oh, she's trying to protect me. Yes. Like, are we going to fight? She was like, what is your deal with this? How mm -hmm. do you, what is your thing? And, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm not really a lighting guy. And mm -hmm. she's like, oh. and I'm like, it's boyfriend duty. <laughs> and she was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun shoot. It's a good shoot. I always what like else? working with you. When we do uh, really oh. fun, and I bring a different energy, I think. You and I work differently, and you've been teaching me a lot of your process, which I've been using, but I work differently. My my process is very intense, always, whenever I'm like working for you. I'm always like, I'm going to fucking make this work and do this. You're going to have as many options as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. I'm always running and gunning and getting it like slightly irritated. That's my process. What would this. you like me to say? <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but your work is... Uh I think about that. Like we work so well together. Like your editing of my work is so flawless. Oh, thanks. That I worry about meeting other editors. You just gotta go meet other editors. 
I know, I know. You just, I mean, the benefit that your work has had is that you have a horror movie guy who has been editing mm-hmm. for years, cutting your your. I mean, I did stuff. edit my uh, the the last music video for um, Sophie Tucker. Oh yeah, you did. You did a good job with that. Thanks. I mean, you you helped me finesse, but I, yeah, I would say that the, I did the, most of that. The bones and the structure were there. Mm-hmm. You did all that. Um. I just breathe it differently. I think what what I don't like about editing is the notes. Yeah, the notes are the, the notes are so brutal, and they're so like... Guess who doesn't get any notes, though? Yeah, I know. I never get notes. Guess who's always over your shoulder making sure it's exactly the way I want it, though? So I it's never, an us thing. I never get any notes. It's true. You do never, ever get any notes. We never it's get notes. crazy. We didn't get notes on Robert Pattinson. No. Nope. We didn't get notes. Yeah, they were pretty much like, he always has notes. He has absolutely no notes on this. Um no notes that's fucking it's it is amazing i'm so grateful and i think that's that's another skill you have as an artist like work with the people who are better than you at what what they do mm-hmm. well yeah you're getting a director to edit yeah you know that's the uh that, that, that's why i i, I mean and my I, boo who what, has to listen to me 24 7 yeah yeah the guy that has to like everything the, i want yeah but that's the i, I think what, that what was that or what were you about to say under your breath yeah I think that that is also why you're afraid of finding another editor because most editors are techs. You have to find another editor that is uh, emotional. emotional. You have to find one that's an emotional editor. Yeah. And not someone and I haven't that not worked with other editors. It just, it's a lot of work to start from scratch. It's like finding a new therapist because it's such an important thing that and, happens. And it's and a it's key. Like, it's, it's the same thing with finding a good production designer. It's the same thing with finding a great DP. It's the... The collaboration and the trust that has to happen from the collaboration, because on one of the jobs that we recently did, you weren't even able to be with me for most of the time I was doing the cutting. So I had to make a lot of choices, and I and I know you, and so I was making as many choices as I possibly can mm-hmm. uh, in your benefit. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you did finally get an opportunity to look at stuff. And I mean, if you've done, if we've done our job, which was many, many, many weeks of prep. Yep. There is kind of a trust. There needs to be. You can't micromanage. Obviously, you have final say, but it's like let let trust that you've done your work. Yep. And let other people interpret it. You've definitely learned that over the years, and you've been really good with that. Thanks. It's been uh, last job was super easy. Thank you. It was super easy. I know we've had to navigate being a couple and working together and separating those two mm-hmm. emotionally while we work together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you have a very emotional boy. I do. When it comes to that kind of stuff. I yeah. do. Yeah. I have a very low tolerance. And what you're getting is a lot of my trauma. Mm-hmm. You're getting my years of running a production company, years of notes, years of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Trauma that comes with it. So when we finally work together, I'm like, I have no patience for this, 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 or and this. And you get me being very, very picky in a way. Like sometimes I need to do something to have a confidence in it and specifically i'm speaking to color grading yes i'd say as an editor (laughs) a director to as an editor i'm fairly easy yes i trust you yes you know more than me without a doubt you've been editing three times five maybe ten times as long as i have (laughs) (laughs) how old am i (laughs) well if i've only been editing for a couple of years you've been editing your own stuff for a while, yeah. For 90, like 20 years. Yeah, over 19, 1999. Yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. 10 times. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Which is great. You should be proud of that. I, I cannot wait to have more years in this, so I don't feel like I'm... You're fine. Yeah, no, no, it's fine, but I'm excited to get better at it. Yeah. Um, but color grading is something that I think that I'm very, very... You have your specific. own... Color grading for you, it's like... I feel like if there was a room in the Harry Potter school for color grading, you'd be in there and you'd have like crazy hair and there'd be like birds and plants so all over the, the fucking uh, place. Oh gosh, I forget what it's called, but it's the wing with the girl with the, the one with the big, the glasses yes. that make her eyes look really big. And she tells you your fortune in the tea leaves. Like yes. that would definitely that be That is you as a color grader. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, well, I, it's out of control. But I worked for the first time in my career. I had someone else color grade my photos on a shoot. And it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I think she's the best color grader yeah, in the, in the, in the land, yeah. in the industry. Uh, but it took a lot for me to be like, okay. Mm-hmm. But she was amazing. But I think the situation helps you with that. A lot of the restrictions helped you Lily with that. Lily was amazing. The, a lot of the stresses help you give away. Sure, yeah. I, I don't think I... I you I didn't will, have the opportunity to micromanage her. That. No, which was great. And it was great that you picked someone that automatically was a style that you oh responded gosh. to. Amazing, yes. Phenomenal. But the few times that, well, not the few times, the many times that you, you and I time. have sat down to, to color grade, it's a fucking crazy town. Because yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right, so how do you want me to balance this thing well, out? You're like, what if we just... move the sliders all the way to the left and then move the sliders all the way to the right? I'm like, oh, every fucking slider? Yeah, which is why I usually try to color grade my <laughs> stuff now. <laughs> you want to go through each and every slider? Of every shot. It doesn't even matter that it's Fuck the same off. shot later. I may want it color graded differently. Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> That's okay. That's who I am. No, but I think it's good that you teach. We have all the shit. Mm-hmm. We have the Black Magic. Uh, I have yes. to hook this up for you. Mm-hmm. So you should uh, really get into it and dig in deep and, and do it yourself. Because then if you learn the process that you want, then you can, even if you found some new kid. Sure. And you were like, hey, this is my thing. Learn my new thing. We are going to shoot, we're going to co-shoot something soon. Yes, we're working on something right now, mm-hmm. yes. We don't have to talk about it. We should probably shouldn't talk about it too much, just okay, in case okay. anything doesn't fall but apart. But you would be, okay, yeah, let's not talk about it. Yeah, but we're, we're, in, the, we're, in, the, we're in the works to we're make something. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working on something right now, <laughs> which will be fun to do. I think that'll be the first time one, we're going in as, as equals, not that we're not always equals, but like we we made a choice very early on. We tried once to co to co to co shoot something, shoot something, and it was a nightmare. I was also very insecure at that point in my career. Well, it was tough on you because you're dealing with someone that you felt like knew more than you did, mm-hmm. and it was hard for you to have a voice, and it was hard for you to sort of push your yeah. way through that. It's more me feeling like I'm wrong, which there's not really an option to be wrong in art. So yeah. I think I needed to learn that at that time. And then time. very quickly, because we called it off quick. That was we yeah. Just, one we did it one time. Yeah. And this will be our second foyer, but we're not doing the same thing, so it's okay. No, and I mean, the we've set up a series of rules for ourselves, which I like. Our rules are generally like, I'll work for you, you work for me. Yep. And if we're going to work for each other, you're the boss and I'm working for you, mm-hmm. which is fine. And I'll hustle hard for you. And you've done the same for me. You worked on Come Home and helped me do uh, makeup and wardrobe. And mm-hmm. we've worked together on all sorts of stuff. And yeah, it's been... f- first and only ever makeup credit. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it was just putting dirt on Lance's face. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very successful. And it's been yeah. successful. And I going into this new project, even though we're both working on something, I also have it in my brain where it's like, you're still the boss, though. Like, there's a, there's a sense of, like, you being yeah. the creative director, you doing all that stuff. So... 
in my head, I'm just sort of looking at it the same way I would look at it if I was shooting something or if I was a cinematographer view. I'll still bring my creativity to it as a director. We but, did co-direct one music video unintentionally. Yeah, but that was unintentional. Yeah. You, you were just overwhelmed and you needed some help that day. And exhausted. Yeah. And then you were like, do you want director credit? And I'm like, eh, I guess. <laughs> You're like, I don't even need it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be attached to a woman. I've already done. I'm all a man. These, I've already done all these videos. <laughs> I've already Get done the all fuck these out videos. Of here. Oh, also, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Behind every every one of those uh, pop girl videos, there was a forty year old dude oh sitting in the God. room. Oh my God! Get out of here. You know, I refuse to uh, <laughs> fall into those gender norms. Uh, but uh, no, I've uh, I love working with you. And I like I love the our relationship, and I love the inspiration that comes out of our relationship. Me too. Do you remember when we were talking about mo- movies and shows that we like? Yeah, but that's less interesting. But I want to talk about the movie that I'm obsessed with. Right okay, now. yeah. What's the movie you're obsessed with? Right Society now? of the Snow. We just watched it. You watched it, and then you made me watch it last night, and I liked it. It was great. So good, so visceral. I think I really have something for visceral movies. It felt like the beginning of that movie felt like Godzilla. Well, I'd say. The plane crash felt like when we watched Godzilla. I can't believe the first time you watched that movie, you fast-forwarded through the opening sequences for it. Mm-hmm. Well, to set the scene, I was incredibly hungover. Uh-huh. I knew it was a foreign film. And Netflix did, you know how they kind of force the preview on you when you open up Netflix yeah. of a certain movie? Yeah. It was that. And they started it at a plane crash. So I think my morbid curiosity, you know, like when you're depressed and you want to listen to sad music to make sure. you sadder? I was sure. like, I'm really hungover. Let's really dive into my fear of planes and planes crashing by just watching this scene. I was like, I know I can't do a foreign movie today because I I don't have that attention span. Watch, so I started the plane crash because I thought I was only going to watch the plane crash, and then it was so good that I watched every second of it. It was so amazing. Well, minus the first twenty minutes, but then I I knew that I was going to watch it again with you, and I could catch up on the character. So you watched it like you were watching a clip on YouTube to start. To start, and that's how they get. That's what I fucking drives me crazy. You about can't, the streaming you can't stuff. stop watching that, and it's a long movie, and you cannot stop watching. It's I great. couldn't stop. I thought watching the first it. fifteen minutes of the movie were fantastic. Yeah, they were great. And the tonal building and everything that's involved with it was mm-hmm. great. It's just the, it's the mental space that you go into watching something. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I thought it was a phenomenal movie. I thought the cinematography was beyond. Was I thought great. all of the director's choices were. It's great. Amazing. Very his visceral. Tight shots. His the way he built characters, the way you felt like you didn't know certain people, which I thought was totally intentional. Like Mm -hmm. it was just so, and it, how he handled the narration. If you've been in an accident of some sort, like I remember when I had a car accident, whatever. And it's like, it feels so long, even though it's so short. And it's like the stages of the aftermath. Like some movies you watch something and it's like, Oh, they got into a crash same night they figured out a solution they're all acting well it's like they don't really start functioning mentally or physically for like three days and it's all based on the fact that if they don't do things at certain times they will die yeah so it's like their brain catches up way after their like instinct to stay alive does and i thought that was such a cool yeah mechanism i like and i mean it's lot. based on a true story so it's like i feel well it also falls into that thing that we were talking about earlier it's 20 years out man there was a whole other movie on it called mm-hmm. alive and that was a movie yeah, that was made this is a story of Chile, uh, Uruguayan rugby players. So if the lead you, shouldn't have been Ethan Hawke. If you had watched Alive when Alive came out and it was mm-hmm. at that time period, you would have been like, this movie's crazy. Mm-hmm. This movie's crazy. 
I I think I I wouldn't even let us watch it with the English subtitles. The English like when they dub. Yeah, I hate that shit. <clears throat> I hate that shit. I, th- I, I, I thought, thought it was a great movie. I think it's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Really? Yes. Without a doubt. That you've ever ever seen. Seen. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. More than you love uh, the Harry Potter movies that you consistently watch all the time. That's different. That's a different kind of love. Okay. That's, like, that's like young che- love. That's cheeseburger love. That's young love. Like Twilight. I, I love that you love But do I movies. think that Society of the Snow is a better movie than Harry Potter? Yes. <laughs> but do I love Harry Potter more? I guess yes. That answer is yes. I do love Harry I Potter I love more. that you like this movie. <laughs> I love that this movie spoke to you. I thought this movie was fantastic. And I... There was a lot of subtle things that you did when you were setting up this movie that I appreciated where you were like, you weren't pausing this film and getting up to get a, a snack every five fucking minutes. But it wasn't even by choice. I remember we... And you also cranked up the audio in there. I know. At levels that did you, you would like normally... like that? Yeah, that you would <laughs> normally give me shit for. I had to tell myself like, the rats aren't going to like this, but I really want Mike to be immersed in this plane crash. <laughs> See? I love that. I love that that movie for you is... It spoke to you in cinema terms and mm-hmm. not just trash terms and you were pulled into it because of some sort of trash advertising for it and then you realized that it was a great cinematic experience and mm-hmm. you wanted me to feel viscerally everything that the director put into that movie mm-hmm. that's fucking movie making yeah. that's movie watching that was really good i think most of the stuff that we watch is not that and i felt like it was the closest to something i would do that was narrative which is almost spacey emotional because mm-hmm. in reality so little happens like so little can happen in that scenario it's all emotional claustrophobic mm-hmm. discoveries and giving up and and but it wasn't shit cheap emotional stuff no you no, didn't no. have people sitting around in that space creating verbal emotion between each other deep real guttural things right. reactions mm-hmm. to actions that were done and watching the, the, if you watched the movie, go uh, Netflix, like at the end, puts a little Seymour, whatever, like they, they started categories for things based on the movie and they do like a 34 minute behind the scenes it's that was super they, cool. It's really cool. But that's also because they're trying to get Oscar nominations and all the Oscar sure. stuff. I mean, I think they deserved more. I think they, they only got, because they're a foreign film, they got the best foreign film category mm-hmm. and hair and makeup, which I think they should 100% win of all the categories. More than Maestro is what I believe. Is it raining super hard right now? Yeah. Wow. I thought the hair and makeup was great in it. When, just the general stuff that that guy... Yeah, but uh, how hard is it to make that kind of stuff look real? But to be that close, like those shots were like this close, like a, I, I'm with you. a couple inches from their face and everything looked real. I'm with you. I saw this interview about the guy from Maestro and the, what happened was is that Bradley Cooper said to him, at no point in the day do I want you to come over and adjust my makeup because it'll pull me out of the character and pull me out of the actors and stuff. So they had to get the makeup perfect. And apparently the makeup guy was on set with binoculars from the distance, consistently looking at his makeup. And then he would have to call over and say, Bradley, will you come off set? And then Bradley would come off set and adjust the makeup. Like, And he was like one dude that went through the process of designing every wrinkle, every scratch, every hair. And then the transition of that, the growth of that, how that, that character's face changed what about the detail in their fingernails i think all that stuff is crushing 
I think it's great. I, I, it's just a start. It's a real hard competition because that other guy is fucking amazing. It's an easy competition for me. I saw Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did one person's makeup really well. Oh, my God. What about God. 30? Sorry, more like 40 or 50 because <laughs> they had to do the people that died too. I'm not shitting on. I'm just saying the competition's pretty That's hard. Okay. That's the point of award shows, right? Is to create, same with democracy, to create differences and fights so we don't focus on the real problems. <laughs> 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 uh, I liked uh, the movie. I thought it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I was happy that you were so pumped about that movie because there's crossover there. There's crossover between our tastes there. And then uh, where our tastes don't align would be your controversial thoughts on True Detective, which apparently you've already spoken to in your last podcast. But I'm here to speak for the audience because okay. I know a lot of people believe what I believe. Okay, let's talk about True Detective. But, you know. No one can talk to you when you're on this microphone. You get to say whatever you want. Let's talk about True Detective. Like a real politician. Let's talk about True Detective. <laughs> All right. Let's, I'll start. How about that? Yeah. I think, I always like to be honest about things. This is the new season of True Detective. Yes, the new season. Uh, I don't care that it's two women. That's not a drawing. I wouldn't say that's a positive aspect for me because I don't care who is the lead character's. Uh, what I enjoy is the fact that it takes place in Alaska mm-hmm. and I've always had a fascination. I think I watched a documentary once that was like focuses on the small town and there was one bar in the town and everybody from the town would come to that bar. And it's like those scenes like David Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, it's David Lynchian where it's like everyone knew each other and there's all these weird things and I think that plot line and that premise as a location is so fascinating. And I think they do a phenomenal job of putting you in Alaska where people, where you go, I don't want, well, I don't like that. It's so snowy. I definitely don't like that. It's nighttime all the time, but these people are here all the time. So what is it like in their life? And they make it seem so normal. Like all those things are very normal. And of course there are superstitions around that. And of course there's history because there's a native native people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I thought like the scenes where, you know, a police officer has to drive out seemingly miles into the ice in the middle of the night to reach one house. And in that house is a dude that she's sleeping with who's fishing in the middle of his house. Like that's so mind blowing, cool world to be in that I'm like, I would never go to that house. Mm -hmm. One, I would never be in Alaska. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think I'm fascinated by what what life I would not live, but I feel like they do it really well. And of course, I guess I can't speak to how realistic it is because I'm not there, but it feels raw and gritty. And like, of course there are people that like, well, I guess, yeah, that that's what I really like about it. And I really love the storyline as far as the people, like the, what the story is about, which is the sci- scientists, you know, what the mystery is, is that the scientists are dead. Is it like supernatural? Is it not is it supernatural? supernatural? Is it super- and if it's not supernatural, I am out. I think they've built too much and intrigued us too much for this storyline for them to it, go back. I hope it is, man. That's fucked up. And I'm out totally. If, I if, hope it is. They're showing you like all sorts of, in the preview, there's like a ghost. We see dead people and like the way that they died and the, the way that they've described that there's no possibility that they died of natural causes like this. Mm-hmm. And the preface they even give you while they're still alive leading up to it, it's like so fucking cheap if they go backwards from it being supernatural. So I, I would mean, be totally be far out. far from them to do something cheap But on if that it show. continues to be supernatural, I'm 100% in. I don't care about the fact that there's a lot of scenes that don't make sense with the way people react in reality. And I think learning, we've talked about this because we were up one night when you were like, I don't like the show. And I was like, I do. 
mm-hmm. and I Googled it and it was fine. You probably talked about it on the show that mm-hmm. she didn't want to make true detective. She wanted to make night country and they were like, you know, probably it was, you're a woman. <laughs> probably you're, you're not a, a, a basic woman. You mm-hmm. have culture. <laughs> mm-hmm do this but we don't believe that you have enough pull because that's what people do you know so it's like we'll put you in a place where we'll look good mm-hmm. even though you're very deserving of doing your own thing mm-hmm. so and she has talked in the nicest way she can because she probably doesn't want to piss anyone off like it was very different to add in true detective connections like she more or less doesn't seem pumped that she had to do all the true detective stuff and i think that's where it becomes lame to me because although i like all the characters i don't dislike a single character in that show I think some of the things that happen just feel so forced that the reactions that people while they're in the thing are almost like they can't even relate to their character. Like mm-hmm. I just, I'm out for that, but I'm overall in and I think she's fucking cool. And I think the stuff that really smells good, cause we always talk about smell is like, I feel like that's her as the director and her storylines and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fucking in, I'm into the, the culture I'm in, like I'm all the way in. So I think I'm excited about it and I know why you're not. And I look at you. You've you've sunk so deep into your chair with your hand. I haven't. I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm just listening. You're giving me shit for like not interrupting and let. That's like, so true. Yeah. This I'm is like listening. Larry David last night. I'm being cordial. Yeah. Being cordial. I didn't tell anyone to go fuck yes. himself. <laughs> yes. I'm just listening to it. I mean, look, I get why you like all those things. I totally do. Mm-hmm. I yeah. understand that stuff. I'm pumped that she got an opportunity to make an HBO show. I just wish that she wasn't forced to make it a true detective show. And you know what my issues are, right? Mm-hmm. I've just seen other things that do it better. Sure. And I've seen other movies that do Alaska better. And I, I, I'm, I all so the ingredients. So you think that she's copying these people? All the ingredients for this show. Will said it to me when I was when we were hanging out with him. He goes, "I don't know why you don't like it. It's got like the elements of the thing. It's got all these elements into it. The thing I can't get over with it is that it is so hyper corporate." manipulated it's a corporate manipulated system where you're watching this thing all the way down to that fucking billy eilish song of the goddamn intro yeah that was a series. big mistake i skip through that every time you're get come, over come that on, song man. like fuck off so like all such that a waste stuff- there could have been so many cool like the world that she's creating there could have been so many cool songs to go with well, that and intro. here's the other thing this is hbo mm-hmm. this is the company that and made hbo is supposedly great this is the company that made chernobyl yeah yeah this is this is the company that made Chernobyl. But was Chernobyl directed by a white man? Come on, dude. I don't know. Come on. Dude. I don't consider myself the face of feminism, but I think sure that, that there the was entire, less. The entire department that is front facing at HBO is now all women executives. I guarantee it. Okay. So come on, dude. Huh? What what skin do I have in the game? But to wonder. But okay, so all this stuff though, I don't want attached to something that I sit down to watch. So it's hard for me to get beyond all these elements, especially... But then it's hard to be like, hey, then you shouldn't like um, Die Hard or any of those movies because they're all specifically there, done by white men in a white men forward part of time in Hollywood. So that's attached to that. No, so no, if no. any gender is attached to movies, then you shouldn't like any movies. It's got nothing to do with the gender being attached to the movie. It's got everything to do with the research and development and the statistics and whether or not the drama that they're going to create around it is what's going to get them the attention and the marketing for it. And so that starts to be more front-facing than the actual creative work does. Sure, but then you shouldn't like Oppenheimer because that marketing was all Oppenheimer versus Barbie. But he didn't do that. Warner Brothers did that. And that's how Barbie attached themselves to that. So you think the director did that for True Detective? No, I think HBO did that. Okay. 
I'm, I'm not shitting on the director in any means possible. But my point is, is that I have trouble watching that show because it's quite obvious why it's been done the way it's done. And I don't think it benefits it. I don't think any of the reasons of it. And if this was her show and it was just Night Country and it didn't come attached to all those things, I might feel completely fucking different by it. I might make, I might feel absolutely different by it because it's not coming with all the past history on like how good the first season of True Detective was. I have the same problem with this season of True Detective that I had with season three of this, of True Detective. And season three was not nearly as good as the first. And was the, that the one with Vince Vaughn and Rachel McAdams? No, I think that was season two. Oh, I liked season two. Season three was Marshall Ali, or what's his name? And he was... Uh, I thought that was season one. No. Season, was season one, one? Season one was... Um, Colin Farrell? No, it was uh, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey and... Um, and uh, what's his name from Cheers? Mm. Season one was the one in Louisiana. Season one was the one with like... I have a short memory for this. That, that, that was the one that started it all. It was fucking fantastic. I remember liking it. And and you the, know a movie I, show I really liked that I'm sad went away? Uh, the Outsiders. Yeah, Not like The Outsider. It was The Outsider, the right? The Outsider, yeah. It was based on a comic book. So fucking so good. good. So good. But I, I have the comic book, I think. I think I was reading it. Yeah. But that was the one where it was like... Um, the guy was the cop and there was a creature, mm-hmm. right? I I loved that show. That show is like perfect us material. I'm curious to see if they're going to stick with this and being supernatural because... The, if they don't, it's, I think it's... The general, it's a, the general thing that they always do, and I think that's one of the reasons why they cancel The Outsider. The general thing that they always do is they go, this doesn't fit a fucking specific formula and this is a cop show drama, so this should fit a cop show formula. So if this becomes supernatural, it's no longer a cop show anymore. It becomes something else. And so they have trouble with that shit. Mm. I just smell all this stuff. And with the, all the content that exists And as I tell you, I feel bad that you can't put away these feelings to find enjoyment in shows that you don't think are perfect. But Gina, there's I can. so much content out there that I don't need to. That's so true. And it's not that I'm shitting But I don't get it. mad at like shows I don't like. I don't watch them. The big difference is, is that I have a, a fiance that comes in the room and goes, we should watch this show together. And I'm like, I don't think I want to watch this show with you. you and you're like, we should watch this show together. Oh, I'm like, pity. You know how many people would, would kill for a fiance <laughs> that goes, hey, do you want to spend time with me? <laughs> yeah, do you want to spend You want to spend time getting our toenails pulled out together? Yes. Great. Let's oh do that. Oh my gosh. This let's is a, a, an, a piece of the drama that I have to, the lengths that he <laughs> describes things dramatically. You are like the rat that squeals when someone looks at him the wrong way. <laughs> It's just why there's so much stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. waste our time watching stuff that we don't like? And I think it's totally fine. I think just because it's, it's marketed fine to you, the you don't fucking like culture. It, and I like it. It's, yeah, sure. I, I see a lot of cultural things that are thrown in there. Whatever. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah. That doesn't make the show for me. Dude, or break I, spent, the show. I spent weeks going back and watching all these movies that I, that I had never seen before that blew my mind and I learned new things. Yeah. And I think that's fine for you to have an opinion as long as you understand it's perfectly fine for other people to have different opinions. Sure. I mean, that's what cinema is. For most people, cinema is just sitting down and enjoying it. And that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. You sit down and you go, I like this. And I I connect to these characters and I connect to this kind of stuff. Hell yeah, dog. Yeah. It's harder for me to do that just because I'm so versed in the language for cinema. So it takes a lot for me to get through that. And I feel like I could still do that with specific genres. So you're saying you're like Mensa? Of movie making, yeah, and you just probably. cannot, you cannot be amongst the common plebs. No, that's not the common plebs. 
I'll see myself out. This conversation does me nothing. This is why I don't want to know how beer is made. If you want to talk about the Fibonacci rule, then I'm back in. But this is why I don't want to know how beer is made. I like going to a bar and picking out a beer based upon the label of the beer. I like going to a bar and being completely oblivious to it. That to me is great. It doesn't like there's no there's no sense in which it's going to. I'm fine with the way you are clearly because we've been dating for so long. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure your viewers are fine with the way that you are because they're still listening. You just get pissed off at me when I don't I sit, sit down and watch uh, a show that it's like, it's like when my mom used to make me go to fucking church. I think you're and I'm fine. Like, I don't want to go sit in the fucking. I think that the way you have strong opinions sometimes makes people want to defend things even more because my opinions don't come off in a way that disrespects your opinions. They come <laughs> off excited about the things that I like. <laughs> I see. Mm-hmm. Just I see. food for thought. I see. And I love you. My opinions aren't disrespectful for people. Mm-hmm. I think you, you come off with such a confidence that they might intimidate people. I've seen people change their opinion on something after you say something that weren't super confident in what they were going to say. I try not to set that type of precedent. Whatever. I want to hear what someone else says so that I can learn. What We watched this yesterday. I thought that was a genius statement. Uh, listen so that you can learn what everyone thinks before you... Mm-hmm. Give your opinion, mm-hmm. and that's more the route that I take. Because mm-hmm. you have a lot of power. How do I have power, Jeans? I don't have power. I'm just a, I'm a person. We all have power. I've just found the confidence over my years to be able to say to be able to confidently say something, <laughs> and I do I do research. I don't just randomly come up with ideas off You're the top so of my smart. head. Yeah, I try to be so smart. You're so hot. You're so smart. Yeah, yeah. You're keep so it going. funny. Keep it going. I'm not going to let that become anything other. <laughs> <laughs> keep it going. I totally respect <coughs> the way that you feel. I respect and the I way know, you feel. And I know how strongly and passionately. I honestly feel bad about how passionate you are about things because I feel like it it withholds you from enjoying life <laughs> as much as I do <laughs> because I can see the good and bad things and be like, whatever. I can go into Target and, and just be mindless and walk through and not let every person in front of me ruin my day. Whereas you can't. I think we were in Target for two minutes yesterday and some woman stopped lost and you're like, oh. (laughs) It's just the wandering. Just the the mindless fucking wandering. I mean, you make a great podcast host because you need to be so uh, bothered by the world. (laughs) It's the mindlessness. It's the mindlessness that drives me insane. (laughs) It drives me crazy. Because I feel like I'm always struggling against being lethargic myself. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I just sort of give in and I go with the flow of the fucking currents, then you feel like you're lost forever. You're lost in the fucking mindless And let me just say, bullshit. <coughs> oh, that there sounded really deep. There you go. That I love you. And I think you're truly one of the smartest people I know. And you're <laughs> so creatively talented. I know I was just giving you some shit because you're coming off strong and I just wanted to remind you that life's not that bad but i just wanted to give you back what you deserve which is that you're the best (laughs) to me you're the best i love you and we did that whole thing i wasn't jumping on your opinion on that thing yeah that's fine and it's not like this is the first time we've had this conversation we have it all the time well and then the whole time that you were telling me the things that you like about that show i was running through a whole series of movies that i'd be like you should watch this movie you should watch this movie Mm -hmm. you should watch this movie because then you're not going to be distracted by a fucking billy eilish into a fucking song Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you'll watch it and go like yeah fuck yeah you know 
And the only reason why you even saw Society of the Snow is because it was nominated for a fucking Oscar. That wouldn't have even shown up on anybody's no, fucking I never, radar. I, well, you know, who knows how else I could have seen it, but it was definitely Netflix marketing. Yeah. <clears throat> They're Oscar nominees. Yeah, you wouldn't have even seen that shit. And it's a great fucking movie. Mm-hmm. It's a great fucking movie. So it's the... Yeah. I got a lot of anger towards like just cinema in general right now. So it comes out a lot. And I'm here. It comes out a lot. I'm here to remind you to enjoy it. <laughs> well, I mean, all right. So what else have we watched recently that we really liked as a collective? I enjoyed Barbie. Yeah. I I, like, I, it wasn't I think the best I enjoyed movie of the year Barbie for me, but I enjoyed it. Less and less, the more people try to tell me it's the best movie in the world. I like. I think it was a fun movie to watch, but since it's becoming this national mm. treasure... Mm. Am I allowed to talk about this kind of stuff? Yeah, you can totally talk about this stuff. (laughs) I think, you know, fuck yeah, Greta Gerwig did a killer job. But the more people are trying to make it something bigger than it is, the more I'm out. Yeah. I think, I forget who I was talking to, but I, I do, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to offend my kin by saying too much because... Yeah, because it comes loaded. Yes, it comes loaded there's a lot of loaded emotion on this movie that yeah. I, I think I don't think there should be that much. Uh, I thought it was. Qu- I thought it was. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries. I was. Gonna, uh, go ahead. I just we're going to say the same thing because we've had this talk a million times because we agree on this situation. But I think it's a great movie. I think the Oscars are what the Oscars are, and the Oscars is a certain type of movie. Has nothing to do with who's directing it. Or what the themes are. I think Oscar movies look like like they are Oscar movies, <laughs> which sounds so dumb and so like putting it in a picture. But also, who the fuck gives a fuck about the Oscars? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much. There was there was a period of time where I was going out to pitch a movie, and I my response uh, for some of the bigger networks was, "They're not going to go with you right now because their main push is that they want to get Oscar noms, and so they're throwing mm-hmm. all their money into Oscar like, nom movies." Maestro is an Oscar movie because. You could you can like feel it, you know. Not that I don't think there shouldn't be more awards for different types of movies, but like yeah. Barbie was a really good comedy movie, and yeah. I, I mean the best definitely not. Would no. I would I even watch it again? Maybe, but I didn't feel like I would watch it again because of Ryan Gosling. I 100%. thought that that was Ryan Gosling's best role ever. He was so dynamic, and he was the best part to watch for me. Margot yeah. Robbie's always great. Yep. But I didn't feel like Margot Robbie was playing a role that, you know, I, f- I felt like she's had much more challenging roles than Barbie. I thought she was better at Babylon than she was at Barbie. So fucking good. Yeah. And um, yeah. even Suicide Squad, I thought she makes a killer Harley Quinn. So it's yeah. like... And she's great in... Uh, in uh, she's a prolific Wolf, actress. Wolf of, not Wolf of Wall Streets. I think they're equals, but if I was thinking about who deserves an Oscar, it's definitely Ryan Gosling. Like, what a character to play. Yeah. <laughs> And he yeah. was so good. And it's all about the like minutia of the way he looks into the camera or like the way one of his muscle pops. Like yeah. he really cared about that character. And that's Greta Gerwig, you know, like that's Greta Gerwig choosing Ryan Gosling and directing him. Yep. And I think that's phenomenal. Uh, and great job to everyone. But I just think we're making a huge, we're making this into a different problem. We're, we've turned this movie into our big world problems. And I don't think... It should be mixed in with that. <laughs> yeah, there's a big piece of me that wonders that if it didn't have the opportunity to be made into the big world problems, if it would even be on that same stage. No. I mean, I think if it wasn't a... Barbenheimer 
was the best thing for both of those movies because yeah. I think there's a lot of people who don't see Christopher Nolan movies and there's a lot of people who don't see Barbie movies and those two people are opposites. Yeah. <laughs> and so the fact that they went to see both, it's almost like, are you Democrat or Republican? Not like one movie is the Republican and one movie is the Democrat, yeah, but, but it's like divided. the types of movies. It's that divided, yeah. It's the divided line of who likes those types of movie because one is a long, drawling, technical masterpiece that is uh, very emotionally charged, but it is very much <laughs> an Oscar movie. Yeah, That's what I would consider an Oscar movie. It's long. You go, okay, but it's there's a lot of amazing things on it. I didn't feel like Barbie was that. I felt like Barbie was like fun. Like you're just eating junk food. Like you said junk food, right? Yeah. Like you're eating like... Um, Cheeseburgers. No, what's the one where you open it? Lunchables. Lunchables. Like you're like, ooh, I haven't had Lunchables in a while. I fucking love Lunchables. Like, and she did a great job, but uh, I also don't expect Greta Gerwig to be like, Barbie was my opus. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure she's going, she's going to make way better movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm sure there's even a point where she's like, don't make such a big deal. But I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Greta Gerwig, but I just feel like I'd be like, thank you for all of your support for me, but I'm happy for what I'm getting. Well, I mean, at this point, I wonder, because she made one of the highest grossing films of that year. So yeah. now the there should be is, an award for that. But the, the award for that is the fact that she now has the ability to do something really good, great. So And the, she's probably fucking loaded. Yeah. And she has full access to Hollywood. So yeah. it's like, she's doing okay. I know we're trying to support her, but I'm pretty sure Greta Gerwig's just going to be just fine. So, yeah, <laughs> even, yeah. Probably even more so than Christopher Nolan, because he's constantly getting pushed back on yeah, being a, the a, experimental director that he is. Yeah. People are like, I don't understand what you're doing. And he has to fight, probably has to fight for every movie he wants. Did you like Oppenheimer? I thought it was great. I loved it. Another movie that I might not watch again, though. Like I thought it was great. The stuff I loved were all the practical things that he did for the atomic stuff. Mm -hmm. His sounds. His sounds and I are like amazing. his like really subversive use use of techniques. Like he uses it not to make the movie make more sense, but to be emotional. Yeah. Like Tenant. That's why most people didn't like Tenant, because they're like, why is it in reverse? Whoa. But he's rewriting the language for a lot yeah, of cinema. That's cool. Which is cool. I don't think that any language was re re written in Barbie. Yeah. I don't think any of the statements she said about being a female haven't been said in a hundred movies. Yeah. I didn't feel like there were any scenes that I go, wow, that's purely Greta Gerwig. Yeah. I thought all of it was good. Yeah. But I, I yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the struggle of fuck yeah for there being a female director mm -hmm. making the most highly grossed movie and being an absolute darling. That's amazing. I love that. We need that because I can count when I ask people to count how many female directors there are. So it's like, yes, we want to support. And I'm so happy about that. But I don't want to put put it on a pedestal that it's like we don't want to change the quality of movies that we love because there's a woman directing, right, they made which some, sounds so weird. But it's like if Greta saw, Gerwig did Oppenheimer, then I'd be like, fuck, yeah. yeah. I mean, but we saw that at the film festivals that we were going to. <laughs> and not that Oppenheimer was made by a man and that makes it good. So no. it's like uh, people have a, I have a hard time saying things because I don't want them to come off the wrong way. And people want to pick what you say apart to find the lowest denominator, like the sentence you said wrong. Sure. Which is, you know what celebrities have to deal with every single day. But it's like, if anyone who speaks up about anything gets in trouble and it's like, I'm not saying fuck genders. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. The movie has to be great. I, ha I had to have fucking loved it. I think what I loved more than watching Barbie or Oppenheimer was the Barbenheimer experience. Mm -hmm. I loved, I liked that the whole community got together. I liked that everyone went to the movies. Mm -hmm. I liked too. that everyone dressed up for Barbie. That's so fucking cool. And it must've yeah. been so amazing to be Greta Gerwig and see the impact that her movie had on yeah, people. Yeah, it must've been but crazy. I don't, I don't think, 
there's a piece of me that doesn't even think Barbie should have been nominated for best movie uh, the, with the other movies that are in that category. And I don't even think it needed to be. It's an outlier, but not an outlier like, oh, it's because a woman directed it or because, oh, you just don't want that type of movie in there. I think it's an outlier, outlier in the quality and craftsmanship from an artistic standpoint. Yeah. And not that it doesn't, doesn't look good. It looks great. It looks like a Barbie commercial. Like it looks like a commercial to me. I didn't see like, I didn't see certain shots and go, wow, that's such an amazing shot. Yeah. I went, wow, that set design's great. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the wardrobe is great, but there's, it's like a lot of other movies that I wouldn't, that I really enjoy that I would not put in an Oscar category. And again, yeah. I can't stress awards are also meaningless. <laughs> it's something well, I mean, we created to feel good about ourselves in an otherwise trite industry. Well, someone said it best where they were like, Hollywood is high school. It and is. it really is like, it's a, it's like, Oh yeah. You, you had a really good statement. I think you, it's it in the, one of the texts. It's like, it was like in one of the, so you're either in the clicks or you're not in the clicks and the clicks will make you or the clicks will break you. Yeah. And that's basically what Hollywood truly. Is. And the, the Oscars, I mean, how unfair are the Oscar awards to even begin with? Like who, so many good movies are omitted well, because, because they don't just, fit the Oscar standard. It's, the main st it's always been the way that the main studios sell specific types of movies and that's what they do. And I think, it's hard for me to make that statement that so many movies aren't in the Oscars that should be, but I think that's a quality thing. And maybe I guess I am saying at the end of the day, the quality of Barbie versus the hype and what it means for women. I don't think those are things that should bring it into the Oscar nominations. I think it should purely be the quality of the movie. Unless there was like best promotions or best advertising for a film. Yeah. Or best, and uh, I don't think there should be best female directors. That's like an insane category. We've we've seen that yes, at a certain spot. We saw a category, yeah, a ca one category that was basically like best duo, mm -hmm. which was mostly an award given to a man for working with a woman <laughs> on a film. And I was like, whoa! And the man comes up, the two of them come up, but it's mostly the man being like, I couldn't have done it without her. And I was like, what is happening? This mm -hmm. is the worst type of progress. This should not exist. Mm -hmm. And there should not be a category for best female director unless there's a category for male correct. Mm -hmm. That's insane to me. And fuck that type of category altogether. I just think... I get it. The pendulum needs to swing in both directions and it needs to go to the most extreme degree so people feel like they have retribution for their suffering. But also, the sooner we move past things and equalize but things. But it's going to equalize. So, I mean, we were just talking about the years of experience and the amount of time that it took you to get to a point where clients started to call you and the amount of time it took you to figure out like your confidence and everything else that came with your business. A lot. The truth of the matter is, is there are a lot of women directors that haven't had the time in the game yet, which so is like not if, their fault. No, but if you're, up they haven't against, been given the opportunity. If you're up against Scorsese, Scorsese has been directing since the 1970s. Purely, and then there's a piece of me that goes, yes, 100. I think it's the fact that men have had so many more years to perfect their art and be in that position. Yeah, where maybe there is a piece of like, it takes something getting used to that there's women there, or like there's some subconscious judgment of women in general that we can't even subvert. It's like subversive racism. Like sure. there's, there is a certain level of programming in all of us based on the experience that we've, you lived can't unlearn your existence. Yeah. So it's like you need, it takes time. So yeah. I think there is subversive stuff, of course, but there is also 100% the fact that like Martin Scorsese has been making movies for what, like 60 years. Yeah. He's 100% he should be better or else he should not be nominated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean like the guy just technique wise and, t and time in and like and all that stuff. There is a piece of me that's like, okay, then we should just blindly be giving 
women opportunities. And I, every woman I know in the field, including myself, has been given opportunities because I am a woman. And that means that there was probably a man that was equally as good as me, probably better because he's been doing it longer. But I got the job because someone made an active effort to hire a woman. And I do support that because that's the only way it's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. the only way we're going to start getting respect. So there has to be bad movies made by women who are f- paving the way and figuring it out so that it becomes normal. It becomes normal to see more women in the industry and not just like, oh, it's a woman. That's why you're in there. It's like, we have to go through this stage to some degree. Sure, I But it's also okay to not be, be blind to it. Like, it needs exactly. to happen. <laughs> but you also have to look around and go like, okay, that's what's happening. Sure. Like, because then... And I think Greta Gerwig deserves everything I've seen about her and listened to her. She but seems I don't think she's in this. I don't think she's in what we're talking about here. Yeah. I don't think she's sure, in no, that. but she's apparently the the uh, cr- the Jesus of all. But she she made fucking female problems. It's not, it's not like Barbie showed up and the studio showed up and like randomly picked up some uh, woman director that hadn't done anything. She, she did fucking Lady Bird. She did all these these uh, really well done, very successful festival and award-winning darlings and so she has been putting the time in mm-hmm. and she her husband's also noah bomback and so the two of them are working together to make things really great yeah so yeah man it's 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 just this i think there's a lot of no matter what happens right no matter what happens there's a small amount of people that are allowed to do this sure right? and there's a small amount of people that are allowed to do we this. need to balance out that it's a little bit of everybody and so I get being upset, and it's hard being a dude that didn't come from a generation that was shitting on people, isn't somebody that was like yeah, but separating y- those things. And so the repercussions of the pendulum swinging in the other way are that I'm being marginalized, and that all that stuff is happening on the other end of the spectrum. Sure, which I don't agree. I have never agreed with. I don't think we should penalize the people who had the power. Because it's not like all white men inherently are like, I'm the most powerful thing. I I constantly make an active choice to stay here. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Uh, the oppressed have a, a grander view of the world because they're used to not being on top. But also feel bad for the narrow-minded men who have known nothing different. So it's, I don't sure. think anyone's evil. I mean, that's not true. There might be evil people, but I don't think I've met someone that I've felt is genuinely evil. Like they're they misguided. Wake up every day like, <laughs> they're closed minded. Yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of things going on. So it's like, we're not making change by, we're not making positive change by force or neglecting or turning away from other people. It's like the fact that we are turning away from other people is just making the problem worse and creating a greater separation yeah, of everybody. Yeah, a greater divide, yeah. And yeah. that goes for every single oppression that we have on the planet. But the, but <laughs> the, 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 the problem with it is not, this is, the problem goes beyond gender, right? And, and opportunity. The problem is about wealth. The problem is about wealth and opportunity. Of course. And wealth is genderless. Wealth is. But then I don't even blame really rich people. Sorry, you keep finishing with things. It's just the way that our culture runs. We are very much a a market, like a stock market run culture. We are very much about profits. Mm -hmm. We are very much about fast money. We're selfish hunter gatherers who used to just be like, I got to do things to survive. So that's in us, no matter what we say. So you're, I think the thing that's more destructive, because there's so many outlets out there right now, 
there are so many channels, there are so many streamers, there are so many places mm-hmm. for it to be all over the place. So there's no reason why every fucking streamer was like, hey, we need to change how we're going to hire people. Mm-hmm. Every streamer does that at the same fucking time. There's no reason to do that because now you're closing the door on on so many different fucking people. And then what you're seeing is just content that really doesn't feel like it was picked up for any other reason just to promote the fact that they're doing it. And so then when you watch the content, you're like, what am I even what am I even tuning in for? And so then the promise is that the content's going to be different. It's going to be better. It's going to have a different point of view. And then you watch the stuff. You go, it's the same fucking shit that we were doing before, but they just repackage it in a different way. Okay. Like, was the storyline of Barbie any different than what it would have been if it was done by Saturday Night Live director back in the fucking 90s? It's The nuances of it are much different, but it's, it's still the same fucking thing. I'm not getting involved with that statement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's, I think I'm positive, though. I feel positive, you know. I think everyone needs to get angry that Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Best Director and then later see she did get nominated for quite a few things, though. Like, why take away those things from yes. her? Wasn't I've never felt like she's... Wasn't op- she nominated for writing? Writing yep. with her husband since they co-wrote. Mm-hmm. adapted screenplay which have your opinions on that she's nominated that's great mm-hmm. then um best film which is huge and her actor is nominated so that's big best film is. and i feel bad that more people aren't just happy for her like yeah. we need to be happy for people and not <coughs> always be thinking about what we're not getting best film is massive yeah Best film is mass. And I think it should be Society of the Snow. But you know what? Foreign films aren't allowed to be nominated for that. That's not true. Um, didn't uh, that virus movie win best film? I'm pretty sure it did. I can't remember. When was this? Uh, like three years ago. What was the virus movie about? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. My my memory of movies. Yeah. It was like the poster of the guy in the yard laying flat. And behind it was a very modern house with a green yard. Oh, Parasite? Parasite, yes. Yeah. I like that that poster description got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember the premise of the movie. It's not really about a virus at all, but, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was called Parasite. Sick. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> well, there goes my memory. It's, yeah. It has never existed. But I think I'm, uh, I don't feel negative about any of this. And I don't, I don't get I mean, angry at people who are closed-minded in either direction because I know they're angry. Sure. It's either people that are angry that they're becoming the new oppressed or the oppressed who's angry at all the years they spent feeling like they didn't have an opportunity, whether or not they did Mm -hmm. feeling like they didn't have an opportunity because of our culture and Mm -hmm. our culture is always to blame. And whether that's our prioritizing wealth or whatever, coming up with awards like the Oscars, that's, you know, make people feel good, but it's mostly just what, like 1400 people that make a decision. I don't know. It all feels. And who gives a fuck? Like who gives a fuck? Yeah. But But at the same time we need things, you know, like, we need we we are cursed with consciousness and we need things to believe in. Sure. So I try not to judge people who but have. We're also not supportive, and it just feels like there isn't a sense of support. It no. doesn't feel like the doors were open, and then people said, "Yeah, but you're asking a lot of people and all their trauma to just suddenly be like, I'm fine with everything.' Just bring in what's good. You need to let people like get angry, <sighs> and the hope is, you know what you're going to weed out. I see this with cancel cancel culture. You're weeding out the people who want to stay angry from the people that wanted to make change, those people are still using everything at all seconds to cause drama and create controversy while others are like, wow, it felt good to get some justice. 
I'm on a different, I have a different focus now. I'm back to myself. So it's like yeah. the people that are still crying, uh, super upset about things. I guess that's the way they're processing it. But there are others who are like, it was really important that we had that time. And then now, I, now I'm going to move now on. now I want to be better for myself and for everyone else. Yeah. And now I know what's not okay anymore. Not, even though none of it should have been okay ever, but we needed to have a confrontation of that and it needed to be aggressive. I agree. I definitely agree with all that. I agree with all that. And at the end of the day, you know, just continue making your own work and then attempting to make it. I, like, there's a piece of me that likes what's happening right now with audiences and with creators and having the ability to have my own podcast, having the ability to build your own audience and not be stuck having to appeal to the gatekeepers, which really are the money people. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's, we talk about this a lot. Like, how do you create an outlet that doesn't require you to have to tune into these people? at all whatsoever and to be able to make your own work. And if you have an audience of 1500 people that are buying everything from you, I almost, that's just as good as you going to play the fucking game and then getting all the notes in the world and having to be put through stuff. And Hey, guess what? This has to be true detective now. You know what I mean? Like why the fuck do we have to continue to play with these giant fucking like rooms full of people that are just business people that are kind of like, but I do, you know, yeah. like why do we have to play that game still? I do believe everyone's hurt. So I have always enjoyed the challenge of how do I, how do I diffuse uh, like defensive walls, especially from people with money, especially from people that are higher up. Possibly they want to be an artist. They aren't an artist or they are an artist. They feel underappreciated mm-hmm. or they're, they're used to dealing with people who take advantage of them or they had to put up a hard shell to keep their position. Like I do find, I enjoy breaking that mold and being like, how do I collaborate with this person who has all these walls and that we are different and like, what's the excitement there? And maybe that's, that trails back to me being a child where (laughs) on Facebook, there was a pedophile who was trying to reach out to me. Jesus, I was like 11 years old. And on Facebook, I was like, my whole thought was immediately, I mean, I'm not a dumb kid. I knew it was a pedophile to begin with, but I played into it because I was like, I want to, this, this is where it gets dumb. I was like, I want to meet up with him and, and discuss why he's like this. Jesus. <laughs> I wanted to fix him. And I've always had that, like, how, how can we get better if we don't try to like understand everything? So Jesus I was like, <laughs> which that's like very extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. course I can't. I'll I, listen to your advice, but help me get this fucking uh, couch into my van. Yeah. You take that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I decided, obviously, because I was smart, not to meet up with him, but I confronted him and he blocked me. But you know what? I, I made an effort to understand what made him that way, because no one's going to change if we don't begin to understand why it happened, because everything is such a factor of our environment and our upbringing that it's like a lot of people can't get through those things. And then they're angry and then they create these crazy fetishes or fantasies or wants like evil evil ish things that they want to do that it's like how are we going to stop that if we can't ever confront that you know Mm -hmm. it's not if a democrat is president it's not if a fucking republican is president it's not if a woman's president it's not if a man is president it's so beyond that it's so human nature connection and how we function as a species that it's like but no one wants to address that it's like wanting to address global warming which we'll never do we're just gonna die, all die well at that point yeah <laughs> we, but- we refuse to be inconvenienced or we refuse to think how large a problem is and that one choice cannot one choice one opinion cannot change anything for the better yeah you need yeah. to change almost everything yeah yeah and then there's just too many of us well for sure yeah that's a big part of it. 
Um, <clears throat> well, I agree with all that. We got off on a little. We 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 were tiptoeing around some landmines. <sighs> we did good. Are you going to be editing this? No, just one piece. Just that one piece. I asked. I don't want to edit anything. I'll do it. I'll edit it. Teach me how. No, that means I'm editing. <laughs> you press the buttons and I'll tell you where to edit. That way you that's, don't even have to think about that's it. That's me still editing. <laughs> uh, I don't think we've said anything on the show that is negative. There's one spot you'll be editing, but that's it. I don't. Yeah, I'm fine with everything that I said. I know when, I typically know when to stop through learning when I go too far, what I shouldn't stay to make people get fixated on it instead of seeing that I really do want the best for everyone. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, yes, the opinions may seem harsh, but it's not because I agree or disagree with anyone. I just think they're, it's a big, big, big problem. <laughs> but also like <clears throat> the way I process all this stuff is that people have had their doors closed on them since the beginning in this business. And when I go back and I look at all these other directors that have become legends and these directors that quote unquote had all the opportunities in the world, they were getting their doors closed on them all the time. Sure. And the top they, isn't easy. I mean, if some people have been in the top, but it's not easy. <laughs> well, I mean, but even before they got to the top. Yeah. And it, the, the one thing that runs constant with uh, each and every one of these people is that they just put their head down and they made stuff on their own and they did it really great. Mm -hmm. And you're just seeing that. Like one of the things I love about watching Rhett and Link stuff, which is good, good mythical morning. Mm -hmm. Those guys, those guys created that from scratch. Mm hmm. And they've created an entire world that doesn't require anybody to do anything for them. Like they don't need anybody to approve anything. They can just create their content and put their content out there. And so I like th that is the best case scenario for, and, and we've seen this with other directors. You've got the Rodriguez's, you've got the Tarantino's, you've got all these people that just built an audience specifically. And that's why they're still getting movies made. For sure. And I think I don't disagree at all. I think the, the structure and the system is the same. It's the accepting that the position wasn't open to women at one point. Women were expected to stay home mm -hmm. as hunter gatherers, stay home, which is a choice that we made, which I don't know how that works with other species, but I feel like in a lot of other species, like the women are ugly, like in birds, it's usually ugly ass women <laughs> and sexy Not ass women, dudes. females females yeah women birds and males oh wow can you not call a bird a woman it's a bird is a woman a singularly a human thing yes well that's the first time what are you gonna call it a woman dog i don't know it's all <laughs> a construct a, a woman dog <laughs> <laughs> but there's only male dog no. there is no Man, you can't call a dog a man. No, it's Whoa, a man. Oh, you can't call a dog a man. That's crazy. You know, oh my God. The, the, wow. The brightness that just came out of your eyes. That's wild. Male. Is I guess male. I never have done that, but I never thought about not being able to do that. <laughs> male is male and female wow, is female. That's crazy. Oh, you sound like all white men. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but regardless, again, I don't, I have never cared about being a woman. Not mm -hmm. that I don't support women. I fucking love women and I'm proud to be a woman, mm -hmm. but I've never made it my priority to focus on that. I've mm -hmm. always made it my priority to be a good person, a good human mm -hmm. to everybody, to learn, to be humble, to listen and support everybody that deserves supporting. There are some people who, and I also believe in self-preservation. It's like some people become very angry because they constantly let people take advantage of them. So it's like prioritizing selfishness when it makes you a better person. Because if someone's draining all of your 
your life force and you also it's like you have to have a balance of everything which is so fucking hard <laughs> yeah it is because you because it's always shifting yeah and as you're trying to develop your skills for something something else is shifting and societal norms for me it's like i don't want to offend anyone ever i have a a, a horrible fear of offending someone and confrontation and all of that but i just think i don't know don't be don't be an, don't asshole. Be an asshole. Don't be a mean person. Don't Just be, an, be nice. Don't be an asshole. I mean, mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day. And that's... don't say something dumb. Well, so, you know what though? Sometimes you say something stupid. Like uh, we yeah, just, since other people should have room for forgiveness if exactly. you're sorry. We just had a podcast that hasn't been released yet, but we rec- recorded a, a podcast and the guests made a really great statement. And they're like, look, if you don't breathe enough, if you're not getting enough oxygen into your brain, you're not getting enough blood through your brain. You're not getting enough blood in there and your brain can't function right. And so a lot of people that make stressful situations, people that aren't sleeping, people that aren't breathing correctly, Mm -hmm. their brain physically can't keep up with their mouth. Sure. And so sometimes you'll say something negative or sometimes you'll say something that comes off the wrong. I've done it. And you have to say the wrong stuff to know that it doesn't feel good to say the wrong stuff. Or you just have to also go like, I don't know how to formulate this sentence, Mm -hmm. but the situation that I found myself in required me to actually respond. And that's tough. We need to be more empathetic yeah, man. towards existence. That includes people, empathy, animals, the em- planet. Empathy doesn't make money, man. Yeah. Empathy doesn't make money, dude. You know? That's so true. That's it. Yet, we gotta, that's what we got to figure out. Is how to do that, yeah. Forget being successful in our careers. Yeah. Well, you know. This has been fun. Just joking. I would like for us to both be successful and enjoy life. <laughs> You know, we got to think about is retirement, not retiring like we're going to retire, but what's our game plan there? I don't know. I mean, I don't ever want to stop doing what I'm doing, but I do not ever want to be like, hey, I need to make money today at 80 years old. My game plan will be (laughs) that I keel over the table at some craft services table at some point. Oh, gosh. That's something that freelancers, you should have someone that does business financing for freelancers. On the show. It's like, we're never taught. You know, like you work at a company and they give you 401ks and Roth IRAs and they teach you about retirement and savings. And the problem is we don't ever, usually artists don't ever want to retire. And we're very much like, you got to spend money to make money. So it's like, yeah, but also we're, we're, we're not taught to save. Also, we're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And we, and we are don't have sa- that stability. So how do we prepare without stability? We are saving. We're putting money aside so that when we're not working for fucking six months. That's true. But that's not like 50 years from now. I know. Savings. I know. It's tough. Excuse me, and I think the only, especially with the way inflation's going, the only way to really pull that stuff together is actually create content that continues to pay you. You know who I'm going to introduce you to? Some I met someone in an Uber once going home back when I used to do Uber Share, and she is a finance advisor for freelancers. Interesting. Okay, so you should have her on the podcast. Yeah, we could talk about that. She was great. I'm always curious. You know me. I'm a learner. I'm fixated on it because we don't want kids. So. Who's taking care of us? Well, you, you're raising the rats. Take, the rats yeah. will take care of you. <laughs> teach uh, them how to is get. That's some sort of a sick joke. Teach them how to make ramen. <laughs> rats ramen. They go in, <laughs> open the little bag with their hands. Uh, they Keep, probably could. They probably could. You could teach them how to open. They a don't bag. have opposable thumbs though. They only have four fingers. Do they only have four fingers? Yeah, they have a nub where a fifth finger should be. Uh, so for a while, I thought they all just like lost that finger. <laughs> For like one day, one day, and one rat. It didn't happen for all three rats. Obviously, that finger's just growing in real slow. <laughs> <laughs> like one day he'll have a, a thumb, mm. a, thumb <laughs> a human thumb. Yeah. There's a thumb coming in on it. Um, 
All right. Well, this has been a good show. We How rambled long have we a bunch. Talked? Two hours. Wow. That's a long time. We rambled a bunch, but was I it think okay? it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. I had a good time. Yeah. I think we didn't talk about a lot of the stuff that I didn't want to talk about, so that's good. <laughs> yes. The many restrictions that come with having you on the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, no, it was good. I appreciate you being on. It's always fun. Thanks for having me. And it's how I think I'm it's- happy your guest canceled. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's always, it's always fun to- uh, just sort of, you know, share with the folks that listen to the show how we are and what our relationship is like. Yeah. And I feel like after watching like uh, Kill Tony and s- watching some podcasts, I see that you don't always have to like be totally on brand with the theme of the show. So it's like I like to not talking about art all the time because yeah. the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, brah. Okay. That was cool. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> I know. I believe you. Um, all right, gang. Well, I appreciate everybody listening to the show. Uh, I am going to leave you now with some Mitch murder. And uh, thanks for listening. We have a lot more episodes on the way. Thursday is the first release of Lance and my new show, Right Place, Right Time. So be ready. Oh, you want your mic on? No, no, no. I just, I called it Butt Buddies. Butt Buddies. <laughs> Wait, yeah. no, you should say it again because I feel like I was interrupting you from no, the title. Right Place, Right Time happens on Thursday. So get ready. New show. Lots more on the way. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
So, 